Number one, Star Wars. Number two, comics. Number three, Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. Number four, Mario. Number five, Weird Al. Number six, Batman. Number seven, Cal. Number eight, The Simpsons. Number nine, TV. Number ten, every single band that I stole all their MP3s. But before they all sold out, they all together. Are you with me now? Hey everybody, welcome back to Nuggets Ruin Everything. I'm Logan. And I'm Adam. And uh, we're going to not talk about Cocaine Bear, because neither one of us saw it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, one of us is in a storm-like condition over the weekend, and it's not Logan, surprisingly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, like it's like uh, 80-something degrees here. It is damn. like kind of rainy. Uh, uh-huh. But not like a storm. It's just like drizzling and just kind of dreary and like hot and damp and not great, but like typical this kind of weather. So um, uh, th- my air conditioning went out. So there's that. Um, oh, shit, dude. It's fixed that, now. It's fixed oh, okay. now, thankfully. But oh, uh, <laughs> it, was, it, it was only it, it's so weird because like. Literally five days ago, it was so cold that the heat that we had the heat on, mm-hmm. and then two days later, it was fucking like just humid and nasty and hot, and so we turned the air on and it kicked on, but it wasn't blowing cold. So we're like, oh. "Well, it's the Freon or like something." And yeah. the guy came out and looked at it, and really, I think when he came out and fixed the heat, I, I think he forgot to. To hook the air up correctly So it was the fan the, the actual fan was kicking on But like the AC unit Outside like wasn't kicking on So, oh. so it, it was just you know Blowing around the hot air That was already air. in the house <laughs> Oh <laughs> shit man um, As long as it like As long as it got fixed reasonably fast That's all that matters That's yeah. all that matters <laughs> Like <laughs> I imagine by this time next week it's going to be like oh well, it's cold again outside because yep. you know welcome to the fucking world we live in now so it's yeah. <laughs> you're sure. getting you're getting weather you've never experienced in your life <laughs> exactly a hundred percent dude a hundred percent like like it is like it is bone chillingly cold rain something I've never experienced in my life I mean it's like it's like sub it's sub it's sub 50 degrees and like i said like we desert folk out here man i mean we're yeah, like we're used to cold <laughs> that doesn't happen there you know that don't. that happens in like north north california like you got to be yeah, up exactly. by like <laughs> seattle or <laughs> you know something <laughs> it just yeah, it, no, you know it, it's it is not and well you know it, it uh you know, I mean, what can I what, what can I do other than my part to not be an asshole and contribute to the carbon the carbon emissions that are happening? Um, uh, but I, I mean, it's like you know, it's kind of weird because I, like <laughs> the storm of bullshit that we're dealing with is kind of like it's kind of similar to the the storm of David Zasiloff at Warner Brothers. Um, (laughs) What are you talking about? He assures (laughs) us that the merger is working and everything is fine. Because 
that's exactly the kind of announcement that people fucking make when everything really is working and it's all fine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, and my favorite part is is that I'm fairly certain this motherfucker like listened to to the Iger speech and said that's what we need to do because he announced multiple new Lord of the Ring movies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, like, like, and then also like a new Harry Potter stuff. But I mean, we oh, and we'll probably get like we'll briefly mention the the, okay, so they're, the they're Potter making... thing's been going around for a while though. Like yes. they've been talking about a new way to because what they it's this is it's so weird with especially with those two properties, right? Because yeah. So the you have the book fans, the movie fans, and you have the book and movie fans, and then you yes. like like. But here's the thing: most everybody agrees with those two franchises, even if they're die-hard book fans, that probably you're never going to get any better adaptation than what we got. A hundred percent. I mean, that's the thing is that, I mean, we, we never say never like, you know, uh, like the Sean Connery shitty Bond movie, um, never say never again. But, <clears throat> but the thing is, is that Lord of the Rings, like, I feel like we, we've gotten to the point in, in, in the timeline where we're disrespecting Lord of the Rings because we don't under we, we don't remember just how fucking important those three those three movies that everybody was laughing at the beginning of it when they when New Line announced three hundred million dollars for oh, a trilogy Avatar, of movies. Right? Yeah, it's exactly it is. what Cameron had to deal with with Avatar. Was except Peter Jackson's not James Cameron. He's he's a little <laughs> bit more polite. And, exactly, um, uh, but he's are <laughs> not, not yeah, he would not in, not entertain it because he's like I'm too busy, or he would just be very polite about it. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like, I, it's easy in in hindsight to just be like, oh, of course. But like, no, at the time, everybody was like, this is going to sink New Line. Like, yeah. they're literally going. They're not. Going to going to recover from this, <laughs> you know. It's it's Job and Arrested Development going. I've made a huge I've mistake. Made a huge mistake. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. It wasn't but, that like they no. believed in Peter Jackson. They took the gamble. It paid off, and it paid off so well that they basically had to beg him to come back to make the Hobbit movies because, like, they couldn't get anybody else. You know. Yeah. <laughs> so exactly it, it I, so like it doesn't make okay so <clears throat> lord of the rings doesn't make like so like are you re, like it, it zaz it just doing no what sense. zaz does like zaz it's zaz doing what zaz does which is create chaos i mean he loves to create chaos because all they own is those properties like yeah, those three books, Amazon do... owns everything else, right? Yes, exactly. And they cannot. Okay, so like, here's the greatest thing about that Amazon deal is that Amazon can use characters from Lord of the Rings because they own the they own the other stuff because like the Similarian and 
um, the other the other they books indices and yeah, yeah all of that. But, they can create. They can they can use they can eventually use the characters like Aragon and like they just the can't Hobbits. adapt those specific those stories. stories. Exactly, they can go off book if they want to. Um, because they spent a billion dollars on it. <laughs> Jeff Bezos, goddamn! <laughs> I just I'm like, I okay. mean, he loves Lord of the Rings. <laughs> he does. I mean, I mean, I watched. I I finally got around. Oh, so like somebody gave me um blu-rays of that first season i i you know how i feel about physical media like the physical media like image is so much like nicer than even a 4k stream even if you have it directly logged in um it's just better um i got to watch the first uh i watched the first episode of the lord of the rings um series and i will say this it is impressively mounted like oh like that that every fucking dime of that is on screen budget is on the screen like shit you're like literally you can watch it there's there's people you do recognize but like for the most part like unless you're like super into you know actors and actresses and Mm -hmm. like it's just you're looking at the cast going like I don't know who any of these fucking people are but but like holy shit this looks incredible no, absolutely, absolutely right. Like, <laughs> we don't need like, stars. We need to make <laughs> it look good. <laughs> but I, I like that approach. Like, I love that approach because that's oh, like too. the, the the Star Wars approach, right? Like, not now. Now everybody gets involved in Star. Everybody wants to be in Star Wars, but but it's like I was genuinely shocked at that first episode. I'm gonna probably uh, like after I watched it. I was like, okay, you know, maybe this is a Christina and I show because this is what, like, when I watched it, I was like, this is what I wanted from Game of Thrones. I kind of didn't want, like, Game of Thrones is like, like this whole prequel shit. Like, I was like, House of Dragons. Like, you know how I feel. We all like the audience yeah. knows how I feel about about that. But this Lord of the Rings show, I was like, holy shit, this is the kind of stuff that I wanted. Like, if you're going to mount, like, like which you know game of thrones that that house of dragons show was not cheap it was close it wasn't as close to how much they spent on lord of the rings but i mean you know 300 million as opposed to half a billion i mean come on i mean you know it's like but it's like i don't know it's like i watched that lord of the rings i watched that lord of the Rings show and i go jesus christ that's this this is a beautifully mounted impressive show i watched the gate i watched and then i just kept on thinking of house of dragons i was like house of dragons is dark dank and doesn't look like it costs anything for them other than the dragons like everybody just kind of like showed up and cosplayed (laughs) i mean um but anywho um yeah it's very weird and then he keeps on talking about this the new superman and batman movies in 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 the future the 2025 stuff not even talking about like i don't know it's fucking weird man like Zaz is chaos, dude. And, and like I, I don't know. I've read two articles about. I guess they test screened Aquaman. Yeah. And it was not good. Yeah. So that's worrisome. Um, but that also speaks to Jason Momoa, like not being all mopey <laughs> when he left his meeting. Because maybe he knows that this movie isn't good And it's just like I don't have to do Aquaman But I'm still in (laughs) 
So, <laughs> you know, well, it, and we don't uh, like to be perfectly honest. Like this is that's the rumor mill. Um, and it, suppose isn't this the first time that they're that they're testing it? Like from what I understood, it's it's one of the first times that they're actually test they actually tested yeah. it with an audience is, it's weird because it's been finished for a little while now um yeah i guess maybe uh, special effects was okay. but like usually they have like some kind of test screenings you know that are like pre or like during the effects where like the effects are unfinished and they're just looking for you know, editing and story beats, like stuff like places to cut. So it's not three and a half hours long shit like that. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Zaz stuff this week, I was just like, God, man, the the Lord of the Rings thing blew my mind. I was just like, yeah, really? Like, yeah, I, that, nobody's no, asking it, you to go back to that. Well, dude literally fucking nobody <laughs> did you hear did you hear like did you hear philip boyens and uh talking on behalf of fran walsh and and her, uh and uh, peter jackson like no. after it was announced she was like she was very polite about it because like she was like uh so me fran uh me fran and uh peter have not heard from warner brothers about this so this is news to us but we're always welcome to take uh, to take meetings like we did with uh, the Amazon Prime people. Uh, but then she also noted later on, she was like, yeah, Amazon Prime actually came to us right away. Like they like like we were one of the first people that when they started this whole process of with the Tolkien estate, like asking us if we wanted to come on. And we just respectively we we respectively declined as creatives. We would like to see what else other people are doing, but we would be more than happy to talk to them about the stuff. And then also, you know, uh, uh, Peter wanted Weta involved with them. Absolutely. A hundred percent with this just for unification of of. Uh, for unification of the worlds so that even though they may be from different studios, it still looks the same. And that was kind of weirdly like very, uh, very New Zealand. Like, like when I, when I read it, it made me happy, but it was also like, you know, once we've like, as we've gotten to know the country of New Zealand through Lord of the Rings, that makes perfect sense. Right. But it also like, like her first her first comment is also kind of like very indicative of that's as rude as you're going to get from an uh from a New Zealander, right? Yeah. Um it, it, like basically no, he fucking didn't. And yeah, we'll fucking take the meeting, but fuck you. What the fuck are you doing, you idiot? Um I, I just yeah. I mean I, I understand that those are huge properties and like owning them uh, you know speaks to like maybe we should try to do something with them, but mm-hmm. I, I mean, I I don't know. I would just be like, I would rather you sell them, like yeah, than try sell to Amazon. Yeah, sell them Amazon for for two or three. They lost two billion. Rather than sell you, just sell it to Amazon for because here's the thing: is that Amazon also has the Hobbit because they have MGM, right? So right. they have essentially everything but the Lord of the Rings. If if you hold off and you get two to five billion dollars for the Lord of the Rings trilogy, why not? Because aren't you about making money? Because you just lost you. Like my favorite thing of the article, the like the Burge article that you sent me was the company lost 
a total of 2.1 billion and added just 1.1 billion subscribers across their across their multiple streaming platforms. I thought that that was hilarious because this motherfucker says that it's working, but they lost 2 billion. Aren't you supposed to minimize the loss? Isn't that I mean, what you were all about? Yeah, and saying like, well, we added a million subscribers. And it's like, uh, okay, but like, that's kind of a drop in the bucket when you're looking at like, if if the guy running Tubi were like, hey, we added a million subscribers to our network. That would be like, oh shit, good for them. You're fucking HBO Max, dude. Like, I, I, you should be competing with Netflix, who, like, it's really only news when Netflix loses subscribers. <laughs> like, and you're talking about we added a million? Like, so fucking what, man? Like, you lost $2 yeah. billion. Like, you cut all of that shit, and you still lost $2 billion. Like, I, I, I don't... It, none of it's working, dude. None of it Nothing is working. <laughs> it's really not. It's really not. And this is, like, this is the craziest-ass part about this, Logan, is, is that we... Like, this is not even the first year. We haven't gotten to year one. Yeah, the yeah end of year one. been 12 months. <laughs> I'm like... Uh, uh, like I'm just like Are you fucking like are you kidding me And here's the cr- craziest part Too is that they lost 2.1 billion but the company Combined earned 11 Billion dollars in revenue In the past quarter Like that's shocking to me That you can so Your your Over was 13 billion 13 billion Across all the country, uh, across all of them, like that is a wild to me. Is that you couldn't like your overhead was so high, and this is just this speaks to Hollywood and how much they spend because you never like we've talked about this before. You can never trust a budget, right? Like yeah, they say, yeah. like when they say, like I think that Cameron <laughs> may be the, the only budget, one. and you can't trust what they say that they made. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Creative accountant. <laughs> exactly. Just talk to uh, t- talk to talk to Paramount about that with uh with 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 coming to America and Forrest Gump, which they keep on saying that they're still losing money even they've even though they've made billions of dollars off of both those movies. I mean, I love it. It it's the worst possible thing. And then I mean, we've got to sh- like the 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 funnier part about this, the bigger the bigger thing that's looming over Hollywood right now is is a strike, a writer strike. Because, you know, Hollywood loves to do one thing, which is fuck over the the fuck over everybody, including stars. Like, I, I, like if you want to if people want to know why so many bigger act like so many bigger like actors are going to Netflix when they should be going to movies um, or Apple. Like, I mean, Brad Pitt is like making something right now with Apple. Like he's he's like. He's making a very expensive F1 racing movie with with them and with the guy from uh, like Joseph Joseph Kaczynski, who's the director of Top Gun Maverick. Right. He's directing this thing. Um, You want to know why they're doing it? Because because the creative accounting leaves them broke. And that's that's cash. 
that's that's exactly it. Like um, one of the things I hate when I see uh, in the reporting is like, oh, Netflix spent X amount of dollars on this movie, and like, mm-hmm. how can they like? Why would anybody do this? Why like why is The Rock and Ryan Reynolds? Why are they in this movie that Netflix paid some god awful amount to make? Like that's that's all their costs, and that's all the actors get paid. Like yep, but generally paid right. Generally, their deals are you get you know it's kind of like athletes. You get Mm -hmm. X amount of dollars up front, and then for actors and actresses, sometimes directors or who you get they got points on the back end, but it's a percentage of whatever the movie quote makes. But then you have Hollywood accounting that's like, Oh, well, you know, the movie didn't actually turn a profit cause blah, 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 blah. So, you know, in some cases it's like fine and stars get like, you know, what they Maybe not what they more than what they should, like Robert mm-hmm. Downey Jr., um, who uh, like never has to work again because of his profit sharing deal that he made with Marvel and Disney. So, yep. and, and also that's a that's a bit of news that we've heard, which I feel is lies. Like you you, you like you heard the news, right? That they're not they're, that they're not pursuing. RDJ for any of future mu- Marvel movies. I'm like, yeah. bullshit. Like, you know, Secret Wars and King Dynasty, like, King Dynasty and Secret Wars are definitely something that he's going to be a part of. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah. I guarantee you that was written into his Brinks truck contract with them when he came back for Avengers that we just didn't hear. Like him and Chris, uh, Chris Evans. Like, yeah. just like... Uh, uh, j- and it's just something that they want to keep secret. Like, so, you know, but again, you're right. Like, but that's one person. Like, Robert Downey Jr. is it worked one out person. for him. It doesn't. Yes. Most of the time, it does not work out for the actors, you know, like, in mm-hmm. uh, so, yeah, these paid upfront deals, you know, become more enticing. Sure. You might not be starring in a movie that's going to play in a theater that, you know, it, everybody's going to go see and you don't get that like I'm number one at the box office. But like you you got ten million dollars to be in this movie that's going to be on Netflix and you got it all up front, you know. Yep. So, yeah, Netflix winds up spending fucking 80 million dollars on red notice or I think it's more than that. It's probably a hundred million dollars. Um, and you're like, what? But like all of that money went to pay those people. And there, there's no, like the problem is that Netflix has to, they don't get the theater <laughs> that, you know, yep. they're relying on people paying them $12 a month, <laughs> you know, and shit exactly. like that. So, so it, it, it's hard to to like to put that in terms of like oh well Red Notice made them X amount of dollars because no it it really didn't <laughs> you know so it, it, it's such a fucking weird like world that that we 
20 years ago would have never fucking imagined that we lived in. And for David Zaslav to run around talking about, no, it's working. Like, everything's fine. No, the fuck it is. It isn't, dude. Because half the shit on your service that was there nine months ago isn't fucking there now. Like, no, it isn't working. Like, good for you for, like, if you're going to pull it off, sell it to somebody else so at least we can find it. But, Mm -hmm. like, it's not working, dude. It's not working. It really isn't. It really isn't. And and monetizing, re-monetizing Harry Potter, I do agree with. I don't see going back to the well and making new versions of those movies. But, Mm -hmm. I, I mean... They fucked up adapting the Fantastic Beast and continuing that. They they yeah. completely fucked that up. Um, weirdly enough, by not just believing in Johnny Depp. Um, not yeah. that he not that I, I, he's still a dickhead, but <laughs> oh, like, exactly you, you need which that's not on Zaslav. That's on pre Zaslav, but. Their knee-jerk reaction as a studio, just like Disney's, was like, oh, shit, we got to cut ties with Johnny Depp. And, you know, I, I get it. But, like, at the same time, like, maybe you should just press pause instead of just being like, oh, yeah, fuck that, dude. <laughs> like, no, absolutely. You just piss people off, man. <laughs> th- that's the thing, is that it's like, there's just, it's tone deaf. Like, well, and now, I mean, like, you heard that, like, like, if we're talking Johnny Depp, you heard the rumor that they canceled Margaret Roby's Pirates movie to get back into the Johnny Depp business. And guess yeah. what? He's getting paid a fucking fortune for it. Why? Yeah. Because you fucking fucked him. And he sat there and he very calmly just put up his hand and said, okay, you know, uh, you don't watch Captain Jack Sparrow. That's fine. I'll put down the Captain Jack Sparrow, which is interesting because, you know, he may be a POS, but here's the thing is that, even after they stopped making Johnny Depp like pirate movies, that motherfucker continued to go visit children. Yep. As it's all as, PR, man. Yeah. Like yeah, he knows how to work that machine. <laughs> exactly. And he just kept on showing up. He kept on showing up. Why? Because those kids went like sick, healthy, whatever, met Captain Jack Sparrow. Of course they're gonna fucking watch the movies. Like, like they're going to watch the movies and they're going to like their parents are showing them that movie and it becomes this whole cycle. That's why we get Harrison Ford at 80 years old still playing fucking still playing fucking Professor Henry Jones Jr. Like, but the only way you can move on now because you put animatronic Johnny fucking Depp into the goddamn <laughs> pirates movie, like pirates, like fucking um, ride is that you have to have Johnny Depp until he dies. Like, literally. And then once he dies, it'll probably be CGI, de-aging, deep fake bullshit. Yeah, because we'll that's be, coming next. We'll that's be gone. Next or I'll be gone by then. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope that by the time the deep fakes happen, I hope I, I, I'm gone by then. Because I don't need to see Ferris Bueller's second day off with a 95-year-old uh, Matthew, uh, Matthew Broderick playing... Uh, playing himself at 19 in, and taking a college day off, you know, um, I don't need to see that, but I kind of wanted to see that. But anywho, um, yeah, no, it's it's just, I don't know, man, 
fucking like this this stuff is keep like keeps on getting wilder and wilder to me um that that this guy is just so like i mean we knew he was a con man we knew he was like you know ripley's believe it or not like you know i mean he's essentially what richard gear was in pretty woman he takes companies and he pulls them apart um strips them of their their stuff to redo them i mean that's what he did with discovery is that yeah. he took a he took a, sh- a, a like but here's the thing is that he took a company that nobody that everybody thought was a joke and then turned it around into a reality empire. What he's doing here is but not he actually a, made applicable. It a joke. <laughs> like yeah. Discovery was a joke as a company, but like they were producing content that actually meant something and he made them an empire that now produces content that means nothing. Yeah, so <laughs> it, it literally nothing. Like Discovery used to be that sh- that Discovery used to be that channel that I would go to, like the History Channel, with the exception of oh well, History of Aliens is like that's just peak, like you know Nick Cage ness for me. Um, I love it, Aliens. Um, but like those two channels were like the channels that you would go to when you wanted to. Like it's not like you wanted to learn something, but you wanted your entertainment to be a little bit more enlightening. I didn't need to see the fucking property brothers do stupid bullshit or I didn't need to see whatever fucking stupid like, you know, uh, reality TV thing Discovery was going to do like, you know, like, you know, like have some uh, a bunch of like reality TV stars go to Africa and and like have to be chased around by animals or whatever the fuck they're doing, because that's the kind of shit that they do. And I'm like, but he turned it into a multi-billion dollar empire that nobody knew was that had such a low cost to profit ratio that they thought he was a genius and and let him buy Warner Brothers. And literally you let you let the biggest dummy in the world come into this thing and just start to shave things out and start to like, okay, so here's a here's a novel idea. Um, you know, if the Aquaman two movie is so bad, all of the the test screenings, just like Batwoman or Batgirl, why don't we just write it off as a loss? Yeah, I mean, you've already lost it. James Wan is so upset with you, he left. Yeah. He left Warner Brothers to go to to go to Universal to go make movies with fucking Jason Blum. Do you know, like? Like, that is some fucking crazy shit, right? Like, you just kind of, okay, bye-bye. Like, one of your golden gooses. Like, the guy who has made The Conjuring Universe, creep, like, every creepy doll movie that's ever been made in the last 20 years is because of him. Like, that is, like, a, that is something that you don't let go of, but you let it go because he's so pissed off. I guarantee you. It's probably a little bit of press. It's probably a little bit of sabotage because of James Wan's deal. Like, I know that sounds weird to other people, but, you know, we've 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 watched this industry and seen so much happen, like, as we've grown up and we like, you know, we've had the Internet and we've seen the behind the scenes shit that they do. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's what's happening. But if it's such a problem like Batgirl, take it as a loss. That's. Yeah. That's $300 million right there. I guarantee you it's 300 to $400 million of production that you can write off. Why not? Because There's you don't know. Yeah. 
Yeah. There's no yeah. way they do that. So no, it's easy to do it with the the direct to streaming movie, you know, like it has that, nobody but Michael Keaton in it. Yeah, that you know, you're gonna piss off. Oh well, well, yeah, we'll upset these guys who haven't done much and a star, uh, quote star who, you know, is up and coming, but you know, she's it's whatever. It's easy to just yeah. piss those people off, but like. When you're dealing with, you know, Jason Momoa and, you know, just the, I don't want to say level of talent because not that the people involved with Batgirl weren't talented, but no, no, but it becomes yeah. a whole, you know, uh, yeah, it it's so fucking weird, man. Um, I, I, but I genuinely would like to see them find somebody who isn't J.K. Rowling. To further continue the Potter universe, like I, well, the the answer I think to that it's is an easy franchise to keep going, like a la yeah. Marvel. Like it, there's so much there, so much to that world you can explore that, like, it would be easy to expand it. And but you, you got to do it right, you know. Absolutely. Well, I feel like okay, so like. I feel like he, so the person that really should take it over is Steve Cloves, the the screenwriter adapter of all the Harry Potter, um, all the Harry Potter stuff. But like, you know, he had some help because it was such a big fucking massive thing. He had some help at the end, but essentially he brought it home from the beginning at two in 2001 to the end um, in 2011, a decade of production. It's actually longer than that because I think that it was in, I think it was like 99 when he started adapting it, um, the first book, and then just continued on. Like, Steve Close is like the reason why the movies work. It's not the directors. The directors are just whatever, but it's his screenplays that adapt these massive fucking books, especially like if we're talking Potterverse. Like yeah, once you get to those here. like middle, yeah, the, the middle to late books, like they're they're just tomes, man. Like it's yeah, it's insane. It, and it's hard to distill it, and that's why, like, I don't know if people, like I don't know who are Potterheads here that are listening to us, but like that's why there is a distinct like there are three categories. Like Logan said, there's the book people, there's the movie people, and then there's the movie and book people. But there are those those book people are very rare, like. They're the people that, that, like, I like the movies more than I like the books. I'll, I'll be honest. Though the books have a depth of, of world building that is, like, there's a reason why Stephen King adored them so much. Because when you can outdo Stephen King in world building across novels, like, that's something that says something, right? And it's just, it's fucking sad that, that, that J.K. Rowling's is such a fucking just a troubling person, uh, but I feel like Steve Close because he spent that decade and he did all of that work that he could conceivably take over and build more. But here's the thing: is that we already know that her contract is like steel trap, like. It's steel trap. Like, there's no way that they, they, like, she waited to the perfect moment. 
And for the benefit of the movies, like I know that she's a trash person, but she's the reason why the movies are as good as they are because she stopped a lot of stupid shit from happening, yeah. including getting like including. I know that everybody says, oh, yeah, Spielberg declined the offer to to direct uh, Sorcerer's Stone. No, it's the other way around. J.K. Rowling said, no, I don't want Spielberg. I want somebody else. And the smartest move making Chris Columbus that first director because it put the book and the casting before anything. Like to me, that's the most genius move that they did was not not letting Spielberg direct it because it would have been a Sp Steven Spielberg movie. And right. that's not what Potter is about. Um, and they let Harry Potter be Harry Potter. Um, like, well, I mean, so like, here's the thing. Did you hear about the game? Did you hear about Hogwarts Legacy and how much it made in the first yeah, that's, week? It's insane. $835 million, guys. So if people think that Which the just Potter fuel, franchise that is That fuels dumb, everything Zaslav is saying, right? Like, yes. There is, like, despite all of the backlash to J.K. Rowling, there is a huge, like, still fan base for content from this world that isn't exactly. specifically based around the character of Harry Potter. Like, it's about the world of Hogwarts. So, mm -hmm. like, yeah, man, there could be a fucking HBO Max show set in Hogwarts. Like, it doesn't have to feature any of the characters we even know, you know? Yeah. Like, it, it, there is a desire for that. That is the one thing that I'm just like, if anything good comes out of all of this, like, it might be that he moves that franchise forward. But part of me is like, well, he's fucking stupid so what's gonna wind up happening is that they go back to the well and try to remake from the beginning the harry potter movies and it's like yeah. just like the lord of the Rings stuff man fucking nobody is asking you to do that <laughs> no one no one is asking like like the book people don't want it because they're still pissed off that the movies aren't more like the books anyway <laughs> yes Exactly. And like, like, I, I don't. Okay. So like, I just don't understand that. Like when you have the model and the model is the MCU, you're learning the wrong lessons. If you're thinking that you're remaking it. Right. Because here's the thing is that for better or for worse, like, and I, I like, you know, I feel like we're broken records sometimes because I yeah, keep on talking about the Like, <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, it makes sense because it's like, so even when they don't have a movie that is popular, Eternals, they don't go back to it. They just go, oh, okay, well, you know, that was a $500 million investment and we made a billion, so we, we broke even. Um, let's just use these characters. Like, we yeah. can use these characters. Um, and that's what they do. Like, I love how, like, everybody's still hating on Ant-Man and the Wasp, and it made $120 million, the biggest opening for an Ant-Man movie ever. Like, like that's a success, right? And not not even like, not just the like the biggest opening by a fucking mile. Mile, <laughs> like, yes. I think so. Was the second movie was like eighty million, eighty five? Yeah, 
something it like that. In, I think it was like like I think it was in the the high seventies. Okay. Like that's what it was. <laughs> so yeah, close yeah. to eighty million dollars, and this <sighs> is a hundred and twenty. And like, yeah, prices are a little bit higher than when the last Ant Man came out, but like, not to the tune of forty million dollars. Exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, but oh, wait, okay. So like, here's the thing, is that. Like, okay, so, like, they, they've said that it's the lowest-rated movie, like, joining the Eternals. You know what I have to say? Motherfuck you. Anyways, but... Audience scores, it's, it's like, a B-minus or something. Yeah. It's, like, 84 on Rotten Tomatoes. It's, it's, it's like, I mean, I, every... Like, I've, I've listened to several podcasts about it, but... And it is very much, like, like the film cast guys. None of them liked yeah. it. Uh... But, but why like didn't they like the, it? Like the, that's the question. The Ringerverse folks, for the most part, all of them quote had fun. Like things they didn't like, absolutely. Things they wish were different, absolutely. But it wasn't uh like so it it's a very like like even kind of split, you know. Uh, it, it's it's yeah, it's so weird to hear people like just shitting all over it um well, uh, they, they, because uh, i mean okay so like my theory is is that everybody wants an avengers movie yeah from any theatrical experience and here's the thing is that a i don't want that and b like avengers movies work because there's a build-up towards them right yeah and like you can't they, have, they like, forget why all of that shit worked in the first place. The reason Infinity War and Endgame work the way they they do is because you had fucking fifteen movies that built yep. you up into like e e everybody's talking about Kang and how the movie underserves Kang. And I'm just like, I know everybody loves Guardians, but like, I am a Marvel villain guy. I love yeah. the Marvel villains. So Thanos, like nobody was more excited than me. Kang, nobody's more excited than me. Every time we get a fucking Fantastic Four movie, nobody's more excited than me to see what the fuck is, what are they going to do with Dr. Doom and can yeah. they get it right? I love the Marvel villains. The bigger, the better. So like when I saw Guardians, that like honestly, if they'd have written Thanos out of the movie, I probably would have liked it more. But like I went into that movie going like we're gonna get some like we're gonna get to see Thanos be Thanos and you fucking don't. Like you, you don't. do not. Like you get to no. see him be like bossy towards other people, but like you do not get to see Thanos be Thanos. That doesn't happen until fucking Infinity War. Like that's Thanos's movie, you know? And so, yeah, like, uh, anybody talking shit about how Kang is underserved in this movie, I like, I point to Guardians. Like, that's the comp. That's the com th that's the one for one. Look at Thanos yep. and Guardians and tell me he's not an underserved character in that movie. For, for who? Ronan? Ronan gets shortchanged in that movie because they fucking have to... To balance the the bad guy role between two people instead of just giving it to one of them, you know, it, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, I, and, and and like that's the course correction. That's Kevin Feige listening to people. 
Like, like they don't re- like. Do they not realize this? That it's like all the complaints about how Thanos wasn't in involved in any of the other non-Avengers movies, and he just was, was circling around. Like they're literally going, okay, well, you know, you guys said this, and we listened, and we thought about it really thoughtfully, and this is what we're going to do: is we're going to start with Ant Man, and we're going to slowly build him into different various or Loki. I mean, realistically, Loki. And we're gonna build him in here, and he's going to be a villain that they have to they they have to deal with. But because he's a multiverse villain, we get this great thing of we can have multiple kings that you don't realize are multiple kings until the end, and we can kind of use our spiked like mid credit sequences to do nice funny things that won't annoy you, and nobody sees that. Like, yeah. like literally, like he is the villain in Quantum Mania, like. Like the complaint about like your complaint, which was a valid complaint that everybody had about Guardians. Like Guardians is a lovely movie, but I will say there's no reason for Thanos in there. You could cut 10 minutes out and make Ronan a more effective villain. Yeah. That, and talk about Thanos in the background. But, you know, but like, you know, it happened. It was an issue. Kevin took that that criticism and literally like with the next like thought about it for 10 years and was like i need to do this this is the way that we should do it <laughs> and then they're and still busting st- his balls <laughs> over it <laughs> they're still busting his balls over it i don't fucking get it dude it's like you like every every complaint that they had about Thanos that he was ineffective that literally he he did nothing except for snap his fingers like like he let all of his proxies fight battles in infinity war like literally we're like we're like with king we are seeing all of those complaints kind of nullified in the next like big villain in the mcu i mean literally jonathan's majors is going to play every proxy right like so there's not going to be like you know, there's not going to be his gang of four that come in and fuck things up it's just going to be a bunch of jonathan majors right and then you can't like i'm sorry but i love josh brolin he's a great actor but he's not Jonathan Majors. Yeah. You literally cast who I feel like after seeing Devotion and and seeing like I mean I've been a fan of his since um Love or actually Last Man in San Francisco. If you've not seen that fucking movie, please watch Last Man in San Francisco. He is amazing and it's a beautiful beautiful movie. Um but like that Lovecraft country, you're getting one of the arguably one of uh, who's going to be arguably one of the biggest stars in the next five to ten years. And you got him. So we have him. Right. I mean. And you're still complaining, like all of the, the things that you talked about, like. It, it, it's resolved. What are you doing, guys? Like, why are you all so upset about this? I don't get it. Like, it just shows to me that people since people have been catered to like with the star wars purchase and marvel to a certain extent they like people have been getting what they want it just proves to me that people don't understand like all they want is more they they're yeah. not satisfied with the thing that they get right they well, want they're more, just, more, more, yeah. more. I mean, truthfully, it's no matter what you give them, they're not going to be satisfied. That's the problem yeah. with, with catering to people instead of yeah, instead of actually developing, you know, something that works. Like nobody, the reason Iron Man works is because nobody expected Iron Man to work, and yeah. they 
they did it, you know, anyway, pretty, you know, by their own rules. And that's the reason why Iron Man 2 gets shit on is because they were like, well, you know, and it's really not that bad of a movie. Like, no, it's not. That Formula One sequence is pretty fucking badass <laughs> like i love the suitcase like like can we just talk can we just like like talk for a second uh, the su- suitcase. suitcase armor is one of my favorite moments in the marvel cinematic universe <laughs> and i will be honest with you like that tony that that tony the one that is on a high high and then he gets knocked down yeah like that's the tony like okay so like like go with me on this Iron Man 2 is the Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a very underappreciated thrill ride that that doesn't go dark, but it just goes sideways into what people thought that they wanted. But man, does it have some great action sequences. And man, does it use Rhodey right. Like, 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 yeah, you know. uh, You know what my biggest complaint with Iron Man 2 was? What? The scene in the trailer is not in the fucking movie because the scene in the trailer yep. was awesome. Yes. When he jumps was, on the it? back of the plane. Holy yes. shit, man. That's one of the best trailers I've ever seen. I was so hyped after I saw that. And when it wasn't in the movie, I was so disappointed, man. Because I'm like, that was when she kissed. Like, oh, God, man. That, uh, yep. Go look up the trailer for Iron Man 2. Like, it's so fucking good so it really is but i've heard i've heard rumors about both those movies being very wild productions i mean we've heard it like like you know there's a reason why justin thoreau was was hired on um because he was an actor and like you know rdj's like ocd about like trying to make things better like i just i love jeff bridges whenever he talks about the first one like, and just literally just like, man, yeah, we didn't have a script, man. Yeah. It was wild. <laughs> we were making this shit up as we go went along. And I'm like thinking to myself, man, like that, that sounds like, like the kind of perfect chaos. And, you know, I mean, like it was hungry. Everybody was hungry in that first movie. Like, I, that's what I love about it. Like you watch that movie and you can tell everybody is hungry. You can tell Favreau wants to, wants to be this, like he wants to be that star Wars director, right? Like he wants yeah. to be like a big budget director. Um, you, you can tell RGJ wants to be a star. Finally, like you look at that movie and you go, yeah, that's that dude going. Yeah. I know he fucked up. Yeah, I know that I like, you know, I, I I was asleep with a gun cracked out on cocaine um, in a child's bed, but I'm going to do this. I'm going to be a big star. And I mean, it just like, and so the, this the difference between another... him and Ezra exactly. Miller <laughs> exactly. <is laughs> the fact that that I mean, and it sounds maybe it sounds shitty. I don't know. But like. Robert Downey Jr. fucking, like, he paid his dues. Like, I'm sorry, Ezra Miller, like, your printed apology and, like, telling people that you're going to counseling, I mean, good. Like, that's all good steps. But, like, I mean, we, we, we have seen Robert Downey Jr. in prison orange jumpsuits. Yep. Like, we've seen him sitting behind a desk in a courtroom 
you know, having to listen to the charges against him read to the public, you know, and, you know, Ezra Miller has not had to face that. Like, he's just, he's got a publicist and a team of lawyers and he gets to hide, like, for now, gets to hide behind all that, you know, and and that, that's not, like, it's not a one-to-one comparison because, you're talking about a dude that literally fucking paid his dues and was like, yep, I got to get my shit together, you know, and went to jail. I don't, you know, I don't care if it was for three months or even 30 days. Like he fucking went to jail. <laughs> like <laughs> He did. He, he, he did. And the thing is, is that like, here's the craziest part about this all. And I find this truly fucking crazy is do you know who helped? You know who helped RDJ get sober? Like the the final time. Mel uh, fucking Gibson. Yeah. How's that for some shit? <laughs> like, like I just like, I'm always kind of like constantly like, what? But it happened. And he he was, and you were right. Like, like, and it leads us to this like conversation about Ezra Miller and the Flash and how. Man, Warner Brothers is going double hard on this this shit. Like they feel like they've got something really special, and they're. I mean, putting it out what three months early at CinemaCon. Yeah, at CinemaCon, they're actually sh- showing. They're. It's not even like it's a secret. Like a lot of times, like like so, like Top Gun Maverick being shown at CinemaCon was a secret until like a day or two before, um, or even like a day before. I think it was like they didn't even think that. Like actually, no, it was like literally. Like with the Paramount thing, they kind of came in, they saw the Mission Impossible preview, and then they were like, "Hey, by the way, we're we love you guys so much. We we sh- we want to show you something special, so we're going to show you the entirety of Top Gun Maverick." It, it, yeah, it was literally out. what uh, uh, what they did with the Force Awakens was <laughs> when they did yeah. it at, uh, but except well, they didn't show Force Awakens. They did a concert with John Williams, but yes, it's the same principle of like, oh hey, you guys love Star Wars, you want to come watch this concert, live concert conducted by John Williams, and you know, like literally like march people out of Hall H at Comic Con to fucking walk <laughs> to the was it the Hollywood Bowl or whatever. Or, no, it was a. It was like the San Diego. It was like a San yeah, Diego park right. where, where they had like everything quarantined off and like literally the full orchestra there, like a constructed like I mean, concert hall. Fucking insane. So like and no, nobody knew it. what was happening. So yeah, but yeah, um, announcing that you're gonna you're gonna screen the Flash three months early. You know, I I, I texted you I, like. A two two things. Uh, it means the movie's probably going to get completely spoiled for anybody on any kind of yep. social media, which sucks. I understand you're trying to to build up the hype to overshadow the fact that your movie stars a piece of shit. Um, so I I get it on one hand, but like the flip side of that is if some fucking idiot spoils the movie for me or i accidentally have it spoiled for myself because i'm scrolling through facebook and you know comicbook.com has a fucking like reaction headline okay well you know really all that means is like now i don't have to feel 
like any kind of guilt. I just won't give you my money at all. Um, I was like, well, I guess it's full for me. I guess I'm going to watch it in three months on HBO Max. So, yeah, I I don't know. I get why they're doing it, but, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't, I guess. I mean, they have nothing to lose. I mean, that's that's the whole thing is that they need, like, I mean, let's be honest. They they want goodwill. That's what they want. Like, they want the some worst kind of that could happen is that they screen the movie and people are like, oh, shit, this is terrible. <laughs> yeah. But because either way, like if they make a profit or they make a they, they make a like they make a tidy sum over the summer um, or they or they lose, they Zaz still wins. Like mm-hmm. the whole thing is, is that he can take it as a lot. He can take all the PR and all the all the money that they they used for advertising and take it as a loss along with the production. Um, it keeps Andy and Barbara Muschietti happy, which is probably more the thing that DC Warner Brothers like proper and not just Zaz want to do. Because if this movie is good, I mean, just like his It series, like I cannot stress to you guys how I was going to ask you what you thought about that. Um, I'm intrigued. I'm very, very intrigued because like we've talked about, like we talked about last week, actually, like fucking last week. Um, and I'm going to ask you something, um, uh, because we're headed into King territory, uh, which is fine. Cause we've done enough about the, the flash. Um, I will say this much. I feel like the advertising for flash because summer of 89 is a thing now for this summer. Like just like Indiana Jones, they're going to push really hard on the Keaton as Batman in the Flash. Like I just have this feeling that that's what they're going to do, and we're going to see a more Batman. Even though he's supposedly cut out the last third uh, or the the ending um, that sets him up as like you know Batman proper, Batman Prime, which I'm still sad about. But I feel like the advertising is going to go come see Keaton complete his Batman trilogy. Yeah. Like that's basically what the advertising is and those sons of bitches like i just i don't like that because it it tugs at something that i always like i always felt was was wrong is that keaton never got his trilogy like yeah you know what kilmer is the george lesenby of kilmer and depending on who you talk to kilmer or clooney is the george lesenby of the batman universe right the one and done um I'm fairly certain that, uh, like, I feel like, like, what's his name is, um, <laughs> I feel like, uh, Ben Affleck is the Roger Moore because nobody likes Roger Moore as Bond, right? Like <laughs> only our dads, only our dads loved him because he like, you know, in the seventies and shit. Um, but so like, let's go back to the, sp- uh, the, like that being said, let's go back to the it dairy thing. Like, like what we talked about, like whenever dairy is mentioned, because it's just such a horrible, horrible town in like, you know, the Castle Rock, Maine, because I mean, like, let's be honest, like when we talk about this King verse, we kind of often talk about it either like as the Dark Tower or the Castle Rock, right? Because Castle Rock, like, we know Castle Rock is a is a place, but it feels like that's Maine, right? In King verse. But it is very metropolis. And, yes. Uh, to <laughs> Gotham. <laughs> like, yes. No. It very much so is right. Um, but Derry, like, like I feel like it's the perfect setup for a horror series because nothing good happens to Derry. 
right. as we very it's much Gotham know. City. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But without it's, a the whole place is crime alley. <laughs> exactly. It, it's it's Batman. It, it's it's Gotham without Batman. Like really, or any superheroes for that matter, right? Like with just a bunch of Alfreds. <laughs> um, uh, so I'm excited, especially because Barbara and Andy Muschietti are, ta- are 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 part of the creatives that are going to bring it to life. I and want really- to be excited for it. I really do. But like, and I get, I I hope that the headline of calling it an it prequel series. Is only for the like that recognition. Like I hope so too. Calling it like a, a series based on uh, Stephen King's Dairy Maine. Like you're getting those hits with Stephen King, but the it uh, movies were such a big hit. Like it brought that character, that world of Stephen King, to people who. Like maybe only tangentially know Stephen King, like like my niece, yes, who's like, yeah, I know Stephen King is he's the dude that wrote books. Not like, no, you don't understand. This motherfucker had commercials for his books on yes. television. <laughs> like he was that's a regular guest on late nights. <laughs> yeah, he was a celebrity. He literally was on Carson, uh, on Carson and Letterman constantly. So that should tell you something about him as a cultural icon. I mean, he was on fucking the cover of Time. People knew people just like he was his own thing. He was like Spielberg, but in but the book form of Spielberg. That, that, that's what's so like, like, you know, I mean, saying Hitchcock to young people now doesn't mean anything. But like, yeah, you knew who Alfred Hitchcock was like. You could recognize him like when he showed up in his own movies, like yeah. But he's he was in movies, so like it kind of makes sense. Like it it does not make a whole lot of sense that people who don't fucking read books know what Stephen King looks like and can identify him because generally the only time you see an author's face is on the fucking back cover. <laughs> like are are inside the jacket, like not even on the back cover. Like I, I mean, most authors that that I do like, I couldn't pick out of a fucking like lineup. I I, I couldn't. I could tell you like, I, I mean, I don't really like Tom Clancy, but like, I I've read some. I I couldn't tell you what the I couldn't tell you what he looked like. <laughs> if you were like, this is a picture. Yeah. If you held up two pictures and be like. Which one's Tom <laughs> Clancy? And uh, like, I I wouldn't I, I wouldn't even be able to guess. Like, I don't know. I if you asked me what he looked like, I'd be like, oh no, I think it was an old white guy. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> but people know, like it, it like Stan Lee is probably the one to one. Like, people who've never read a word that Stan Lee ever wrote know what the fuck Stan Lee looked like <laughs> because this of is very like. True. Because he's a cultural icon and like they started just putting him in things. Um, but anyway, back to my point. Like, I hope that it's just an it recognition thing of like, well, this is how we get the people to like want to tune in. You know, Castle Rock on Hulu was a failure because people didn't really understand 
Like it, it just didn't have that cultural re- resonance, you know. It was really good, very well written, fantastic. Like, just could have been something incredible, but nobody fucking tuned in for it because nobody knew what the hell it was, you know. Um, so absolutely, I I hope that that's what this is. That it can become this like. Uh, kind of anthology series about the shit that happens in Stephen King's Maine, you know? I'm with you there. Um, I really am. And I feel like there's this whole thing of, like, they they may take it to, like, making it a sort of anthology series where either a season or a series of of episodes are about a certain specific time period so that they can shift through the different time periods because yeah. as we know like as you know like part of like um the the voluminous uh, the the big the the tombness of <sighs> sorry about that i sneezed on air good lord um <laughs> part of the part of like why it is such a big book is because there's a lot of history of dairy in there and if they're going to take it from there um, and if they're finally going to give me the turtle, uh, the the goddamn turtle with the the weight of the world on its back, um, I'm all for it. I guess. Yeah. I mean, like, it, get weird with it. Go go cosmic the way that he goes cosmic in his horror sometimes, because like it is as much a it is as much a like a homage to like you know his childhood as it is to Lovecraft, and like Lovecraft goes cosmic and. You know, I, I some people really don't like uh, like you know like that, but I do, and I don't mind that. And if you're gonna try some different stuff, why not do it there? I mean, if you're gonna lusciously mount it, like if you're going to put the money into it, then give me all the stuff. But I'm cautiously optimistic because the Muschetti's are involved with it, um, yeah. and I don't know. Like we'll see, we'll see. But like you said, to your point, if it's just gonna be some kind of like if it's not if it's not going to be done with some kind of considered care then don't do it um don't do it at all because to be perfectly honest there's enough kingverse stuff out there that you don't need to contribute to the garbage um because there's there's like we've talked about before there's there's some trashy trash trash ass adaptations of king's work and people that are just trying to make crass like you know just trying to make a buck off of his name um that don't care uh and so it, i know the machetes care but yeah. it's all gonna matter in the tone the budget and what their ultimate goal is for this and like you said it prequel uh, i mean if you're gonna have some dude that isn't bill skarsgård show up as pennywise every episode and do some kind of like weird like the worst case scenario it's like the do you remember the nightmare on elm street yeah. um, tv series and how yeah. freddie would never show up yeah that's what i feel like the worst case scenario of this is and you know what i would not be surprised if that's what happens yeah. um but let's 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 like if well, you're finished speaking this, of actually, speaking of yeah. stephen well, king since yes, we're on the stephen yes. king thing i i finished Wendy's final task um and it's a fucking beautiful like just 
beautiful book. Um, that that's I can't wait for you to. I feel like you're gonna breeze through all three books when you read them. I kind of took my time, but I did. I mean, we're at the end of February, and I read. I started reading the first one at the beginning of January. So, and I genuinely read slow, and they're small books, and I still made it through all three of them inside of two months. So, um, it it is fantastic. There's some stuff that actually takes place in dairy in this book. And very much talked about, like, what a horrible fucking place it is. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's it's made me, like, it's made me really want to, like, explore other, like, not just, I'm, I'm, I've been reading King for, like, I'm back on his bandwagon, really only reading King novels for the last year or two years. Um, but it, it, this book or this series of books put it in me to like, well, I'm going to go like explore like the adaptations I also haven't seen, um, which led me to Mr. Mercedes on Peacock. Yes. And that's okay. So two, two questions. Okay. So like first question before we get off of, uh, Gwendy, which that sounds really bad. Um, (laughs) But before we, we we change subjects to Mr. Mercedes, um, I'm very curious. Does he land? Do they stick the endings? A problem that King has. Does he stick the ending? Yeah. Does he land the ending? He does. A hundred percent. It is okay. An absolutely beautiful ending. I think part of that is the fact that it's a co-written book. So, like, it's something. I I, I don't know how the co-writing process works with with them but i i would think the ending is something you generally both have to agree is acceptable for where you want the story to end and uh it does completely tie to the dark tower series so any dark tower completionists out there this is a series of books you have to read um and I, I, I don't know where. Well, it it spans multiple, like the three books span multiple decades. So, uh, I guess I, I don't. I guess it they by the end they're definitely taking place after the last Dark Tower series because it's That's set. Intriguing. That's very intriguing. The last book is set in our future like starts in our present day and is set in our future or a version of our future like uh trump is pre or was president i think i know that the interesting the, i know that uh the coronavirus is in the book like that that definitely gets oh wow Um, Oh, wow. That's that's crazy. Like like he kind of folds it like I've not seen a lot of authors. It was was shocking. Yeah, it was shocking that that was. And they fought the way it folds into the book is really kind of brilliant. Um, uh, I'm not going to spoil anything, but uh, yeah, it's it's definitely. I don't know. I, I it's I don't know how to say it without it kind of proves the point of like the, 
like the the quest is always there maybe like roland doesn't show up or anything but like that there's always like because at the end of the dark tower which we've talked about before um like it, it starts over like it's just a uh, this perpetual thing so they're always trying there's always the somebody needs to save the tower somebody's trying to bring it down and this like feeds into that they're always trying to find a way to destroy the tower you know um so interesting that's very very interesting okay it, i'm excited it is tangential it's not like like you know, they don't wind up in mid world or anything like that. It's very tangential, but like if you've read the Dark Tower stuff, you're like you're like, oh, I know what all of this is, you know. Um, but uh, it, yeah, it it they're just they're fantastic books. Uh, I and it's gonna sound weird. I know. I I think I enjoyed them more than any anything in the last two dark tower books wow wow like, okay okay i was so compelled to like keep going but when there were definitely moments in the last two dark tower books where i was like i don't like nothing is compelling me to keep going with any of this so you know uh anyway yeah i i think you're gonna enjoy enjoy him. anybody who is like i said a dark tower completionist and you really until the last book or well maybe the end of the second book you really wouldn't get like a heavy sense that like oh shit <laughs> like this is like this is actually related to the dark tower um it's not just oh it's set in castle rock like it actually you know pulls in some of that mythology and you're like oh shit i got it like i said i know what all this is so. oh that's cool that's very cool so let's talk about something non-dark tower or unless i like unless i i completely forgot mr mercedes the the, the source material read but any of the books i've read one i've okay. read one i'm not a i'm not a okay so like here's a weird thing is that though i am a huge crime fiction fan i've not gotten into king's um sort of brand of of crime fiction uh so i've read one uh and i'm very curious if you have but also i'm curious just i'm just genuinely curious about this tv series that you've flown through yeah there are th three seasons it's only 30 episodes but i i watched all 30 episodes in a week um so I haven't read any of the books. My only familiarity with any of the characters is that uh, there's a character named Holly Gibney who King fans have like latched onto as one of his better, more favored recent characters in the last few years. Uh, she shows up in The Outsider, which I also watched months and months and months ago. But I haven't read that book either. Um, but she's played by a completely different actress in The Outsider, which yeah. I thought was a fantastic yes, show. Um, that is that is a brilliant show, like a brilliant, t intense, tense show. Um, yeah, and with 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 a great Ben Mendelsohn performance. I love okay. that show. Uh, it's very hard, like it's it's hard crime, um, and I have read that book. 
Um, uh, but who's who plays who plays her in 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 Mr. Mercedes? Because I know it's Cynthia Irvo that plays her in um, in uh, in The Outsider. Yeah, uh, actress named uh, Justine. Uh, I want to say Lupe. She's in Succession, which you watch Succession. No. <laughs> Me either. We're we're the only two fucking people on the planet not watching this show. Yeah, I know. Uh, I I I mean, come on. I mean, it's rich white people doing rich white people thing. I mean, <laughs> uh, fucking come on, dude. Like I, I I already have enough of I already have enough of that on news and social media. Um, I don't need to deal with it here. Um, so yeah, it's it's very kind of. I'm like, uh, whatever. I mean, I, I am here for Brian Cox going crazy and talking shit about everybody now. Like, I mean, he like, has zero <laughs> fucks to give anymore, apparently. Yeah, exactly. He's like, I've made my money. I've gotten my flowers. Fuck y'all. I'm going to just start talking shit about people, um, even my cast members. Um, but, but yeah, like, I, I guess we're the only two. I mean, I guess someday we'll get around to it. I mean, I don't know. It just like I said, like, it's kind of like the White Lotus thing. I have a really hard problem with, like, like you know, shows about rich white people doing rich white people things. And, like, I mean, as much as I'm a fan of Aubrey Plaza um, and Jennifer, uh, Jennifer Coolidge and the people that are in the show, I just... Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know, watch man. it either, so... Yeah, um, it, but yeah, but, uh, that this actress like she's she's phenomenal as Holly Gibney, which uh, Holly Gibney is a character who has some. They play down the supernatural leanings in this, and the outsider they play it up, like she definitely oh, has. Oh yeah, they do. Has yeah. the shining basically? Yes, like she shines. basically. Um, and and this is played way 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 down. Which is unfortunate because I, I, I don't, I don't, it's so the first season is phenomenal. It, it, it's uh, uh, oh shit, what's his name? Um, Brendan Gleeson plays this the, uh, future yeah, Academy Award winner, Brendan Gleeson, <laughs> Detective Bill Hodges. He's a uh, he was a police detective who is charged with investigating this, uh, mass murder where this guy drove a, a Mercedes that he stole wearing a clown mask um, into a crowd of people, uh, women, men, children at this like job fair, like early in the morning, like just drove through and mowed them down. And it's this, uh, it picks up where uh, Bill Hodges is retired and he starts getting these messages from the person claiming to be the the killer. And th- this is like a, a year, I think, after the fact. And you find out that basically, like, through the course of this case, he fucked up his whole life. Like, him and his wife are divorced. His kid is now in a rehabilitation clinic. Like, he, he's just ruined everything because he was so obsessed with this case. Um, and now it's like back on his front doorstep. And so he kind of starts losing his mind again. And, you know, it, it plays out 
like a very, like a crime noir. It's developed by David E. Kelly. He did a lot of the legwork for the show. It, it doesn't feel super kingish. It does feel like a crime fiction. Kind of feels more like um, Elmore Leonard, maybe. Um, the second season gets into king territory. There's some supernatural lawnmower man type shit going on. Which I was not a fan of. I, the second season, other than having a lot of Holly Gibney in it, it's not very good, I didn't think. Um, oh, okay. Okay. It's um, weird, because the, the second... So there's there's three books. Uh, Mr. Mercedes, Finders Keepers, and... Shit, I forget what the third book is. Isn't, uh, it, um, it, isn't it If It Bleeds? Or is that the is that is that the the Hodges stuff? Um, I can never remember what. Uh, if I, uh, is it end of watch? End of watch. Yes. End of watch. Um, end of watch. So, yeah. uh, because all this stuff like kind of co, co- uh, coalesces with each other, like the outsider. Um, there's actually a new book. Are you gonna uh, like? I've read I, the outsider. I'm, I'm gonna have to go back, and I'm gonna start with Mr. Mercedes. And yeah, read through because his the new book specifically about Holly Gibney comes out in September, I think. And um, I I mean, I won't be through all of that by September, but eventually I'd like to get around to reading it. So I it's on my list of like when I see it, I'm going to pick them, going to start picking those up because I would like to read them. But yeah, the first is based on the first book, obviously, because. Mr. Mercedes the second season is actually based on the third book because it brings back the the Mr. Mercedes killer Um, okay and then the third season is actually based on the second book so they rearrange the order and change up the plot the third season is about um uh a local author who uh is killed and uh, they like steal some, he's it, kind of based on a bunch of like, it's like a composite of some of King's kind of writing heroes. And the guy uh-huh. was a recluse and continued to write. And like this obsessed fan breaks into his house, winds up killing him, takes all the money he's got and takes some, some like uh, manuscripts and stuff, some unpublished shit. And it also feels very Elmore Leonard-ish. Um, and so, like, season one and season three, I think, are very, very good. And season two just gets into weird fucking territory. They did leave it open for a season four, but it was on, like, the audience network or whatever, which completely collapsed uh, yeah. post-COVID. So, I mean, nothing is ever else is ever going to materialize. Although the character of Holly Gibney, I, I feel like is could support her own kind of show like it, well, it you was very you that, charlie uh kaleish you know like poker uh, faces yes you know well you heard that they so the outsider guys um uh um god richard price who's an amazing like crime writer in his own right um the guys who made uh the outsider are working on a second season of The Outsider, um, specifically based off of Holly. 
nice. Uh, yeah. So, so it's, it's interesting because like, you know, um, that, that series is like, you know, that, that series I feel like is like gets the Holly uh, Gibney character correct, but it comes at it from a, like, it comes at it from that sideways angle, right? Like, like the, like the Mr. Mercedes stuff does is that she's not necessarily the main character, but she's an important part of the character, like the yeah. important part of the, of the series. So like her getting her own book, like that's specifically about her is not only intriguing, but them taking on, like the outsider people taking on her and Cynthia Ervo's version of it, I like. I like a lot, and so I'll be interested to to read because I did read The Outsider. Um, I'll be interested to read um, Holly when it comes out. Um, a question for you because this does bring up something that um, I don't know if you're a fan of or not, but I am very much a fan, and I know that people will probably hate me for this. Is um, I'm a big audiobook guy. I love audiobooks. Um, have you thought about diving into the like because like King like has some great people reading his his books. Um, and I find it a great way to like redo, like reapproach certain uh certain tombous uh, like tomb-like things that he he does that I want to read, but I don't necessarily have the time to. Um, um yeah, I don't I used to do audiobooks when I delivered. Mm-hmm. Um, cause mm-hmm. it, you know, just keep me company, but like, yeah. I, I don't know I, when I try to do it now, cause I, I'm so like, even when I like walk now or, or go for my jogs, it's usually only in spurts. It's never in long stretches. So, and I don't, I'm not on the road as much. Like literally I just drive to the grocery store and to the gym for the most part. Mm. So it, it's, it's harder for me to get like, I wind up just losing where I'm at in the story and not, not really uh, able to follow it. So it's much easier. Weirdly enough, like that's why I started reading at a slower pace is because I would find myself getting lost in what was going on in the story. Cause I was just like, you know, just trying to fly through it. And when I started just, you know, limiting myself to like, only reading you know 10 or 12 pages a day at the most like mm-hmm. i'm way more entrenched in the stories now um okay so you know i, I realize i'm limiting how much i'm gonna read but you know, i'm also retaining a lot more of it so um yeah I, I mean i would like there there's some audio stuff i mean hell he's got stuff that's like audio only that i would love to dive into um i just i'm never in a place a long enough stretch of time i mean i guess i could listen to it while i work um but then i'm always worried that i'm distracted while i'm trying to you know you know one way or the other either i need to be paying attention to work i'm distracted by the book or i'm paid attention to the work and not listening to the book so no, absolutely. Okay. No, no, no. That's that. That is definitely. I like you said. Like it. Like there's a whole world of. Um, there's a whole world of like audio stuff that King does exclusively for them, but also like there are different experiences. Like um, like Will Patton reads a lot of them, and I love Will Patton's voice. So like 
I got through uh, Dead Zone. Like, because I really wanted to re revisit that for some reason. Like, I was like, you know, it's the one that I least remember. And Patton reading that was kind of amazing. Um, and it's also like a brilliant, a brilliant bit of book, uh, like, you know, that was turned into a, a classic movie. But I feel like they're two different. They feel like two very different things, even though they're very similar in 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 regards to in regards to their execution. But not in, in execution, but just like generally the way that the plot works, which is always funny because so many people don't adapt King's plots the way that they should and it yeah. suffers right um but this one kind of does but it also is very different and um yeah no i mean like that one was a bit of brilliance like by will Patton. um so i was just curious more than anything else because like i said like anytime i can i can reapproach something with king it's it's both like i'm i'm all for it but it sometimes it can be a mountain to climb because yeah. it's like like it, it is not. It, it is eleven hundred pages. The stand I, in its I'll, uncut form. I'll never reread either one of those. I mean, maybe when, maybe if I make it to like eighty, and yeah. I'm just like, okay, well, I guess I'll do this again. I don't think I'll ever reread. I mean, I don't really reread books anyway. But like, mm -hmm. it, there are some I do want to reread. Like, I want to reread Insomnia. It's I haven't read yes. it since it first came out, and like, it made an impression on me. That like there's still parts of it I very much remember, but I know there's a lot of it I've forgotten. But I thought it was brilliant then. I'm sure I'll still love it now. I probably won't ever reread most of the Dark Tower stuff. Um, but like, yeah. I, what's weird is now I'm I'm in a place where like like the Mister Mercedes stuff. Mm -hmm. Like I was like, well, I'm probably get around to reading those books anyway since I'm I've just decided oh I'm just gonna read Stephen King that's all I'm gonna read I love his work <laughs> it it varies it's all over the place I got plenty of genres to choose from fuck it he's the only author I'm reading outside of comic books um so but I was like well but I'm always worried about the spoiler nature of it but the flip side of that is like well I went and saw Dr. Sleep and then I read the book and it was like they were very different experiences and it wasn't it wasn't a year after i saw the movie that i read the book so like it, it i don't know it's weird that it didn't spoil it for me you know like i i think that like like the, the nice thing is is that like <laughs> like i feel like king is enough of a <laughs> as an, is enough of a writer where he write like I mean let's let's be honest like the one thing about about reading King he, like oftentimes people say he writes too much right like it's too big of a mountain to climb like you know like his books are like arguably anywhere between like you know the average book is what three hundred pages about plus or minus a hundred pages his yeah. his continually run anywhere between five to 600, if not 700. And oftentimes if it's a, if it's a, if it's something that he's really into, you get close to a thousand pages. And yeah. so like reading what essentially is four books can be a lot, but it's also a lot to adapt because I mean, you're literally talking miniseries, right? Like so much so that like, you know, to do it properly, you know, the way to do it is not like you know the way that he did it which is 
chapter in the future, chapter in the past, chapter in the future, chapter in the past, but to adapt all of the the past stuff and all of the future stuff all at once and make it two separate movies. That makes yep. sense. Like the stand, the stand, like I love, I love the way that he plays with structure because it's literally a character. Each, each chapter is a character yeah. and he just kind of cycles through that. Um, a lot, uh, you know, but how do you adapt that as a, as like a movie or a, or a TV Did you series watch when it, the CBS series? Uh, no, I did not. Um, me I just—it didn't look intriguing. Like to me, to be perfectly honest, I was like, "Why?" Um, like because okay, so like like the behind the scenes stuff of it is is that like the reason why the CBS series happened was because like the the movie, the two part movie that they kept on trying to make kept on falling apart. Like yeah. it just kept on falling apart because they couldn't like. If I'm going to watch something, I'm going to watch something like I want to watch this in the theater, right? Like I want to watch a big, scary, epic sci-fi book, right? And or the, epic sci-fi. The thing about the stand is like it, it is a big epic, but like I, I, I don't know. I, it's weird because there's not. It's it's character. It's like you said, yeah. like every chapter is a different character. The whole fucking book is just character. Like it is like premises, and but there's not a ton of like the action in that is like literally for the most part people talking at each other. It, it's a it's yes. a it, it's weird because it's like such a big book and such a big like spans the entire country but like there's no it's not the fucking road warrior it's not no it's you not. know <laughs> there's no action in it like <laughs> you know it, like it's, there's one in the, the, there's one action there's okay so like there's a there's a couple of big set pieces that you always remember you remember the tunnel um yeah. you remember and then you remember the bomb that goes yeah. off yeah. And then you, you remember everything that happens in Vegas because it's literally like hell on earth because Randall, like, you know, Randall Flagg is creating hell on earth. Right. But other than that, it is a lot of people walking and talking. And, I mean, it is um, his Lord of the Rings, basically. Yes, <laughs> it really is. It really is. You know, without um, without action set pieces, it's just walking and talking and uh, like, it, it, you know, it it's theology it's just all of that you know and it's really interesting on the page probably not i mean the original miniseries adaptation like i i remember not really loving i was like this is kind of boring like Um, i liked it when i was a kid but that was before i took on the stand um and then when I when I actually read the book, I was like, "Yeah, this is this is silliness." I have affection for it still, um, uh, but because it was during that time, the like, do you remember that time when ABC just was like, "We're going to get into mm-hmm. the Stephen King business"? It stand Tommyknockers. Tommyknockers. Uh, oh my God, Tommyknockers! A, a four hour. Version of Tommy Knockers, um, which the, I found the Langoliers, Langoliers, uh, yep, like uh, all of the things that AB. I can't even remember the other ones. What were the other ones? Was um, oh man, um, but yeah, like like 
I remember like that was that was like when miniseries were miniseries, right? Like when they were events and you had to you had to tape them or like, you know, because I still I still remember my uh my uh tape that I recorded, like I recorded the stand on and or not the stand, the it in like the first se- the first time that I watched it, I really didn't watch it because I was pausing for the commercials because I wanted that. We like you know you remember the VHS goal whenever you yeah. did something on TV no commercials like um, and I just remember the first time that I like it was a big event like we had like everybody watched them and we talked about them the next day um, I I still contend that it is probably the best TV miniseries adaptation um, of like of like you know of those things um, but yeah no. Um, it's it's weird how like if you when you read king and then you watch the adaptations you can see the reasonings why they do certain things but man sometimes it's just like you're stupid for doing that why are you why are you not trusting king's text like there's sometimes where it makes sense right like the stand like you said the stand is his lord of the rings and there's a lot of people talking about history and what went wrong what went right like you know like all this craziness right like there's always stories to be told just like in lord of the rings so the adaptation that they do it makes sense but then there's stuff like firestarter like firestarter continues to be like in the the three adaptations that they've made a problem like right because they don't get what's right about it yeah they don't get what what makes that book special they really honestly like no one does like no like well they focus on the like oh it's cool because like she can start fires with like that that's yeah but you know that's like saying well like we're gonna adapt carrie and it's just this crazy chick who goes fucking nuts and kills a bunch of people with prom or like what, which, yeah, that's that's which not what the fuck that's the, about <laughs> no absolutely which the De Palma film gets perfectly right like like they, it gets right, like it gets that teenager meanness right, but then all the rest of the carry adaptations and the sequels and the stupidity, it never gets it right. Like, yeah, Firestarter is about a daughter and a father, right? And that's that's so the- they were so close with this last one. I was like, oh, they might actually get this, and and they don't, it just goes off the fucking rails. So, yeah. I, I mean, I still contend that that if they had let, if they had let. Um, if they had let Carpenter do what he wanted to do and casted and, and we got Kurt Russell casted as the dad and, and we, we still can't, uh, like they, they, like the original casting was Drew Barrymore and Kurt Russell. Yeah. I still contend if, if Carpenter was allowed to make the movie he was, he was trying to make that that would have been the, like, that would have been the perfect adaptation and a heartbreak. Right. Like, because that's ultimately what's, what is so heartbreaking is that relationship and what happens in, over the course of that book. Yeah. Um, and it's like, but they don't get it. Like, even Blumhouse didn't it, get it right. I mean, how the fuck is that possible? It's like the one for one is One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, but it's about a little girl and not yeah. a 40-year-old man, you know? Yes, or exactly. thirty year old or whatever, like that. That's the one for one you want. That's the movie you want to make, only with like this like super more supernatural twist. 
and all you're making is like, oh, this chick gets pissed and you know blows people up, and it's like, I mean that that's awesome, but like you're missing the the like heart of the story, and that's just yeah. unfortunate. So, um, and, um yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> so, Mr. Mercedes is worth it. You're saying basically. I, yeah, you gotta kind of slog through the second season. Like, it it feels weird to be like I again haven't read the book, but I can see where they're trying to faithfully adapt the book because, mm-hmm. of course, it's King, so it's going to go into like the weirder supernatural territory. They didn't do any of that in the first season, really. Like, they're they're like. When they introduce Holly, it's like, well, she has, like, strong hunches about things. She doesn't have the fucking shining, you know? She yeah. just kind of gets strong hunches or has, like, weird dreams that are, like, semi-prophetic or, you know, shit like that. Um, but it, it all can be, like, explained away. It doesn't feel super, like, into King territory. And then they, like, try to jump into that with the second and... Yeah, you just got to kind of slog through the second season. It's worth it for some acting, but like the story isn't really that great. The third season is pretty damn good and features like there's a moment with uh, the actress that plays Holly where she has to testify in a court case. It is one of the single best performances I've seen in I don't fucking know how long. Like she delivers a speech on the stand that like had me almost in tears oh it's wow so fucking good so um yeah i mean i think i think it's worth it if you like brandon gleason it's worth it like he's so uh, yeah. damn good he, he is incapable of a bad performance um like i have you seen banshee banshee's adventure in not yet i i like i want to watch it before the oscars because i feel like mm-hmm. either it's gonna it's gonna be the movie that doesn't get anything and everybody's going to be like, I can't believe that it got shut out. It's so fucking good. Or it's going to win everything. And everybody's going to be like, it's deserved, you know, and I'm going to be sitting here going like everything, everywhere, all at once. (laughs) So (laughs) I feel like if I see both of them, I will have it covered for the most Mm -hmm. part. Um, And then, then that way, if I've seen both of them and they both get shut out, I can be like, once again, Fuck the Oscars. They don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> Which oftentimes is the case. I mean, like, let's be honest. Like, I honestly, like, like, okay, so, like, little side, little side, like, Oscar con- convo. Uh, I'm really worried that Fablemans is going to win everything. Um, mm. And it's just going to leave everything, er, like, you know, leave both of those movies out on the lurch. Um, it's weird that and, I have zero interest in that movie. It's okay, so it's good. Like it's really good. Um, but like like our friend like like our, our, our mutual friend and former uh film dispenser colleague Scott Phillips has put it to me. He's like, it's twenty it's minus twenty minutes away from being a truly special um Spielberg movie. And right now it's just a good Spielberg movie and I was like man I, I, th- I think then, I'm at a point where I'm just like I don't know I've seen almost all of his movies and 
I'm kind of just tired of watching Spielberg work out his father issues on screen. I get it. <laughs> like, I, I understand, man. I understand this is your way. Like, and you're still trying to, like, figure it all out. I can't imagine what that's like. And I'm not begrudging you. It doesn't mean I have to watch it, though. So... It might be great. I'm sure it's great. I'm sure all the performances are fantastic. I like everybody involved in the fucking movie. And, but I'm just like, I just, it doesn't interest me. If it was like, oh shit, Steven Spielberg's back with, you know, in the world of Jaws or E.T. or, uh, <laughs> like any of that, I might be like, oh, I think I have to see that. But yeah, I just, <laughs> I don't know, man. Um, I will say this, like, like side side note about uh, about the Berg, about Uncle Stevie. Um, so, like, the best part of the movie is the like, instead of it being like a front loaded movie, like a lot of like like Spielberg like movies can be. This one is back loaded. Like, the last hour is fucking fantastic, and it's capped off by, like, you've you've heard who plays John Ford, right? Yes his scene lives up to everything that you've heard. His two minutes really should have gotten him an Oscar for best supporting actor because he's fucking brilliant in it. I won't like, you know, nerds ruin everything. Not this one. Like if you haven't, if you don't know, well, you know, you've been hit like, you know, social media has ruined it, but I will say that I didn't think it was going to be such a, such a, like a, a strong hit, but man, it's a strong hit. Like, like you, you go, I don't understand, like, you don't understand until you actually see it, and you go, ah, yeah, you know what? It makes sense. The the one-to-one between the guy who they casted as as Ford and who Ford is, it makes sense. Like, it's like, at first it doesn't, but then you go, yeah, you know what? Yeah. Um, so, but, like, I feel like, like, I don't know, man. Like, I really hope it, it like, it's a good movie, but it's not, it's not, this it's is not gonna, it's gonna be the this is gonna be the departed man <laughs> yes it's like, it really is well i enjoyed really the departed is. but like it it wasn't the, the best movie of the year you're just the like, oscar kind of ruins it right like yeah. like that's that's like you know what sometimes oscars do ruin things because crash was like you know nobody crash would have been a fine like, movie it yeah, was not it's like, the it's fucking okay. best picture <laughs> You, you know, but you set it like you basically essentially ruin Crash as a fine and normal movie yeah. because you give it the fucking Oscar because you're scared about Brokeback Mountain, you know? And now every year, like every year we talk about Oscars, like, you know, it always ends in Heath Ledger should have two Oscars. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal should have an Oscar. Um, and Angley should have a, like a second Oscar for for Brokeback I mean, Mountain. And it should be the best picture Right. Yeah, Angley should probably have like nine Oscars at the point. So. <laughs> yes, he really should. I mean, I mean, I mean, he has two. I think it is right. Yeah. He has like Crouching Tiger and then Life of Pi. Yeah. Uh, so, but but ultimately, like I feel like like every uh, everything and everywhere and all at once like should win everything, but it feels like there's this build up to it not winning everything or it's splitting Oscars between it and the Fablemans. And yeah. I'm like, 
I don't like that. I mean, it's like when a movie is like, and this is where Oscars really don't matter because they're more political than anything else. They're a popularity contest because you have to go and get votes. Uh, you yeah. have to go like, that's why we see, we keep on seeing Brendan Fraser is because he's out there polling. Like he wants that Oscar. And you know what? I don't fucking blame him. Like, like I don't blame Andrea Riseborough calling in favors. Like, you know, the Oscars are like, are like the I mean, shittiest kind yeah, of thing. People are giving her shit about that. Now I'm just like, but that's how, that's how that's always been done. I don't know why. Like when fucking like if Kate Blanchett does that, nobody says anything. But this person does it, and why? Because she's not fucking Kate Blanchett. All of a sudden, she's like a criminal for fucking just being like, "Hey, like you're my friends, like vote for me." <laughs> like, yeah, I, I don't fucking get it, man. Like, or people like, yeah, people kind of like, like, like she showed her movie to her to to her friends and her actor friends basically were like this performance is the fucking shit yeah. like this is this is this is the, one of the best performances of the year right there with kate go ahead and take a look at this please academy do yourself a favor and look at this and everybody that i've known that has seen this movie that has made no money whatsoever um has can you said, even watch um, it anywhere um you can watch it in theaters uh, like it was out. Not, uh, it's not. been, yeah. <laughs> I mean, not even in my town. Uh, like you know, like all the friends that I know that have seen it had to go out to like you know had to go out to L.A. proper to see it at the at the bigger out heart out heart our Jesus Christ art, art house, house theaters. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So. So yeah. No. It, it's it's one of those things where I'm just like, you know, that's some shady shit because everybody else is going out and doing the same thing that she's doing. It's just she's doing it. Yeah less money i mean i'm like yeah that that's uh, like of all the things to have an up problem with with the oscars i'm like nah man like if anything it makes me want to be like well I hope she wins fuck all y'all <laughs> like yeah, i mean exactly. I, I, I don't i would rather like i would rather the anybody who's nominated for everything everywhere to win whatever they're nominated for because it's one of the best movies i've ever seen but like the, just that amount of shit given to like are you fucking kidding me? Like, not too long ago, the best picture winner was a, a movie that fucking nobody had seen. Like, and, and you're giving this actress shit? Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, how many best picture winners have there been? I, I mean, I think, well, up until recent memory, uh, or pre COVID, I think, um, uh, uh, Damn it! What's the the bomb movie? Uh, oh, where he's uh, the bomb that he's yeah. The Hurt Locker Hurt, was like Hurt the Locker. lowest yeah. best picture winner, like the lowest box office best picture winner in history. Like yeah, like fucking nobody saw that movie until like post Oscars. <laughs> like yeah, or the the artist. I mean, like the artist was uh, yeah. Like, there you go. The artist. The King's Speech, like. I mean, come on, guys. Yeah. Like, Spotlight? Spotlight! Like, did not... We'll have plenty post... Like, we could say the Oscars talk for, like, when we watch the Oscars and be like, well, that was bullshit. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, um, I want to ask you... Wild, right? 
you mentioned it before we started recording, and huh? I want to ask because I just saw the trailer for it. So you watched? Is it what is it called? We have a ghost. Oh, we have a ghost. Yes, David Harbor in a in a comb over wig um, with Anthony Mackie as playing a family man. Uh, so yeah, okay. So I did watch We Have a Ghost, right? Um, so this one is okay. So the first thing that I think that people need to know about this movie is that it's a Christopher Landon movie. How um, weird Christopher is Land- that? Yeah, I, I you're, you're yeah. Like this dude, like I, yeah, like it's weird, right? Like, um, his dad, like you know, I mean, of course. And for people our age and people older than us, his dad, Michael Landon, like, was the. I mean, he he uh, was the epitome of like wholesomeness and so much so he played an angel. Yeah, I mean, he which is weird because he started out in like B movie horror stuff with uh, yes, he did. Like, uh, what I was a teenage werewolf or something like that. Yep. Um, and then like, I, I guess it's uh, what Little House on the Prairie that launches him into like superstardom, and then yep. he's just like the dad you always wanted, you know, and. Yep. Then there's Touched by an Angel, which, you know... Or, no, Highway to Heaven. Or, yeah, that's what I meant, Highway to Heaven. Uh, uh, Touched, Touched by, by an Angel, Angel was still... the other one. <laughs> yeah, Roma Downey and... Um, who's the other Who's the other person in it? It was Roma Downey. I can't remember. Uh, I can't remember which one. But, yeah, no, Highway to Heaven. I mean, where literally he, like, plays a saint. I mean, like, literally, like, week to week, yeah. saving people... Uh, which was like, like, oh man, like, I don't even know. Like, I remember watching that show. Like, I remember watching, I don't, like, I didn't watch Little House on the Prairie, right? I was too young um, in, like, live. But, I mean, I watched it in syndication like everybody else did, right? Like, we, like it was just something that was on. Um, yeah, like, this saintly saint of a guy. And then his son becomes... No, it's not the opposite. Chris Landon isn't the opposite, but he definitely, like, he's a horror guy. Yeah. Like, he's one of our, like, he's slowly and surely becoming, like, one of the, one of the really interesting horror directors. Um, he was a part of the Paranormal Activity um, franchise, well, which he was a screenwriter. I was going to say his first big hit, but I guess Disturbia wasn't a huge hit. I, I enjoyed Disturbia, like yes. for for a remake of uh, you know, an we old less yeah Alfred Hitchcock concept. Like mm-hmm. it, it it was it was pretty pretty good for like a young thriller kind of you know whatever. Sorry for the the siren going off. All good, all good, dude. Um, I mean, always for me, I don't care. I don't, um, I've had some background noise the whole damn the whole damn time we've been talking, but um, yeah, no, but yeah, he like, did what Disturbia's... four of the paranormal activities? Like, yes, including directing one. Yeah. yeah, he wrote four. Like he he wrote one, two, or no, sorry, two, three, and four, which are arguably the best ones. Um, he wrote and directed the marked ones, which I know gets a lot of shit, but like I actually really like that one. Um, 
And then he got into his like from there, he got into his directing career where he gets very inventive. Right. Like Happy Death Day is like one of my favorite because it's a time loop movie, just like yeah. um, uh, just like um, I never <laughs> saw the second one. The second one doubles down in a way that I feel like you either if you like time loop movies, you either I love, love it. Loops. OK, I think that you'll be in it for a treat. Like I re I really liked it. Um, a movie that really should have been held off for at least a year so that the pandemic would finish, which is freaky because freaky is fucking great. Like that's a like that's a body. Swap I wanted movie. to watch it and I, I just never got around to it. Oh, you're you're also in for another treat. Like, um, uh, he also did the uh, the Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse, which is a movie that I really really like. It's one of those undercover like nobody went to go see it because it looks stupid, but it's it's quite funny. Um, and then he does he does this movie, and I feel like he plays with tone in a way that you're either going to love it or hate it. Because we have a ghost does a lot of weird things that I feel like people are either going to love it or hate it. Um, so you know the concept, like the basic concept, which is is that um, a black family moves into a into a house that's like that's supposedly haunted, right? And then they see the ghost, but then rather than rather than being freaked out by the ghost, which the first family that lives there does. They start laughing because it's it's David Harbour going with a comb over. So you can't help but laugh, right? This is where it gets really interesting. It, it twists everything. Rather than it being a self-contained, oh, God, we got to get rid of this, it becomes a viral sensation. Like this guy, Ernest, who is played by David Harbour, it becomes this whole thing where it becomes a social media like bonanza and viral hit that they have this ghost and they become famous and they start and that's where the story starts like that's when the story about the family and their issues and the mystery behind david harbour's ghost character begins like it takes about 15 minutes but then once they're there it's wild because it plays with a lot of tones in the way that Happy Death Day does. Like it's funny at certain parts, it's serious at others, it's super bloody in others. It's but that's kind of like the way that it plays. And it plays like this warped. The best comp I can give for it is Frighteners by way I of an family. <laughs> I do too. I fucking love that. I love it in I love it in both forms, in the theatrical and definitely with the director's cut. Um, I've never seen the director's cut. I need to remedy that. But oh man, I might have to yeah. just give. I might just have to give you my <laughs> my Blu-ray copy of it. <laughs> just send it out to you um, because it's just that great. But it's okay. So like, my wife did not like it. She liked it in sections, but she didn't like it as a whole. And she actually ended up falling asleep the last thirty, uh, the last twenty minutes, where where it matters and it congeals. I liked this movie enough to go, you know what? Chris Landon and his um, his screenplay, which is based off of a short story, I guess, uh, called Ernest, um, has a lot of tricks up its sleeve in the last 20 minutes. And I don't want to ruin it for people because it's, it's, a, it's a brand new movie, right? And it just came out. It just came out. It just dropped on Netflix. Um, but like, and here's something that you're going to fucking love. 
is Tig shows up in this movie. Yeah, that, that's her, what that's what got me is that like I was on Netflix and you know how it auto plays the 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 like trailer or whatever. Yeah, stopped on something. Like I I don't remember what I was doing, but I had it on Netflix. I wasn't like I didn't have the volume on my TV up. Uh-huh. Um, I was messing around on something on my laptop, and so like that. I guess since that had just dropped, it was on the the main page, um, and like I looked up and I saw uh, Anthony Mackie real quick, and I was like, oh, and I saw Tig Notaro. I was like, oh shit, what is this? And I turned the volume up and I was like, did this, like, I've never heard of this. And I looked it up and I was like, oh shit, this is uh, Michael Landon's boy, like, kind of like fusing, like, doing more of his, like, fusion horror comedy stuff. I was like, you know, I, I liked Happy Death Day. And I mean, I didn't watch all those paranormal activities, but like, it, screenwriting wise, like, I've always thought he's fairly talented. And, uh, so, and then you mentioned it before we started recording. I was like, I, okay, I have to remember to ask about this because literally an hour before we started talking, I had just seen the trailer for it. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I don't know when I, I'm adding it to my list. I don't know when I'll have a chance to check it out. But <laughs> I, I was definitely intrigued. Um, I like almost everybody involved in it um i saw i read a couple of reviews online and i was like well that's not very kind but like i mean i'm you know stuff like that's so polarizing anyway that it really is um i would not take okay so like here's the thing is i wouldn't take everything that they say to heart because it's really this one is going it this one is very it's going to depend on how you feel about about what they're doing and at a point it becomes i don't want to say schmaltzy but you can definitely tell so like this is very much so a like when you know the history of landon chris landon and basically the family and who chris landon is now it becomes this very sweet kind of almost Like owed to his father, but not in the way that you would traditionally think. Um, yeah. Because there's this whole relationship that plays out between the youngest son, who's the main character of the the movie, and his father, um, who wants to be famous. Like, and but there's this tension and energy between the two. And if you know, I'm not going to talk too much. About, I'll let people figure out Chris Landon and the reason why this might be something that they that might have happened there's this tension there um that's beautiful because it it almost hits schmaltzy but it doesn't and there's a couple of other things that happen because it becomes about family um faith ford is actually in this in an uh, like i haven't seen her in so long that it took me a second to realize who was like it was her and who she was playing um which is kind of nice but it's it's an interesting film like it's very interesting it it's probably going to be very divisive um which his films have a tendency not to be like people like them like or they find like they like them or they love them right like especially the happy yeah they're usually so like 
Well, I mean, those do have the comedy element, just like freaky, but like the paranormal activity activities, like they're so entrenched. Like if you don't like that stuff, you're not going to like it. If you do like that stuff, you're probably going to like it. Um, You know, and happy death day. I think that one probably hit like, it it was such a, like a weird specific, like zeitgeisty thing that like nobody had really done in that genre. And like, he's leaning into all of that, which is kind of exciting, you know, like flipping things like that on their head. Um, even if like you said, it's like the frighteners, even if it's something yeah. that somebody else has done before when well, the frighteners one wasn't exactly successful. So, you know, like taking your cue from all of that, I like stuff like that. Um, you know, and yeah. And it makes it doubly interesting, interesting that like, this is the the son of a guy we grew up not just we grew up watching but we grew up watching as a older person you know yes and our parents grew up watching as you know kind of a peer uh, or a role model and then our grandparents grew up watching as like a kid and cuz i mean i we said Two of his big shows, but like, I mean, they filmed Bonanza for twenty fucking years. Yes, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and he was and, a part of it. For, yeah, he was a for, part of it for like fifteen for, of it. Yeah, for I, I mean, and that was back in the day when they were doing like thirty, forty episodes a season. I think I think he was on like four hundred episodes of Bonanza. So, yes. which I mean, which used to be part of my daily routine um, when. Oh really. I, my senior year of high school, I was in the work study program, which meant uh-huh. I got out of school at noon. But like, I didn't start work until like three, so mm-hmm. I, I was actually living on my own my senior year of high school. So I would go okay. back to our apartment at noon, and I would eat lunch and fall asleep watching. Uh, Every day, Fox would show Star Trek: The Next Generation and Bonanza. So I would fall asleep, probably take a nap watching Star Trek, wake up and watch the back half of Bonanza and then go to work. <laughs> oh, shit. So every day for, I don't know, a year, my whole senior year of high school, I watched Star Trek, The Next Generation and Bonanza, at least 30 minutes of each, you know, because I usually fall asleep during one and wake up during the other. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, I, I mean, he's just he's very interesting to me. Um, and, and he's like, I, I think, I mean, I've only seen the one movie he directed, but I thought it was mm-hmm. good. So he, he, I think he's a good writer. Um, and you know, apparently a fairly interesting director excited to see what he does next. I hope this is at least successful on Netflix. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I do too. Like, I'll get around to watching it hopefully soon. <laughs> I, I think that you'll you'll enjoy it. Like they're like depend like I said, depending on your like depending on how you feel about certain things. Like I feel like this is like definitely this is definitely a movie that I feel like is trying to speak to younger people, which I don't think that is such a bad idea. I think that I don't know if it's going to connect because I just honestly, I mean, I don't know young kids. I'm not going to pretend to know young young kids. I've never, I've, ne- I'm not that dude. I'm the dude that, like, is 
within his realm and he knows what he likes and he knows what he doesn't like. And I really liked this. Um, if it's going to be a zeitgeisty thing, I honestly don't know. Like, like it could, um, it has a lot of like, what I like about Landon is he's able to connect with like, from what I understand, he's able to connect with younger, like younger audiences with his films because they feel like the way that like the way that young people feel in this certain at, at, at this certain point of the timeline right like you know like how we connect with john hughes they connect with him in the way that he presents things and how like i will say this much he can he can present things that i feel like other people will make like a polemic thing that'll make a statement thing he just like he just like lets them be you know he may comment on them occasionally but he lets them be he lets them be the people that they are but within within the confines of something that's traditional it's not like like i know that sounds very vague but it's like when the character it like tig comes around oftentimes there's a lot of backstory and build up to that so that normal white cis people can go, oh, okay. But here there's not anything. It's just Tig exists as a as a as a ghost hunter that works with the CIA. Like, and then that's just the shit that you get. And it's kind of refreshing, but I feel like that can be jarring for people because it's kind of built for the TikTok audience. And I know that sounds slightly insulting to everybody but it feels like that and i'm not mad at it because it definitely handles social media a lot better than most films do because there's a moment where it goes viral and oftentimes in movies i feel like when things go viral it, it's not viral like that that wouldn't go viral what are you talking about that's stupid you what are you guys doing do better Chris Landon, I don't have an I don't have an argument with it. Like the things that are showing up when you see the when you see the thing go viral, you know, you know what? That absolutely would go viral. And this is absolutely the way that it would go viral. And this is the people that they would interact with post go viral to make money. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So so yeah, I I'll be very interested to know what you what you think about uh what you think about this one because um yeah, I mean, uh, like I said, it was a fun ride. Like at, at the worst, at the worst, somebody could 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 not argue that it isn't fun and wildly like entertaining in its tonal shifts. Yeah, I, I like I said, definitely for nothing else than to to see this this dude's career. Like it's definitely interesting the things mm -hmm. he's doing. Um, but uh, you mentioned something else that that you watched. <laughs> Yes, I watched Megan the uh, the unrated cut, which um, I've heard. If yeah, I'm going to watch it, that's what I should watch is the unrated. Cut. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. There's there's not a lot of like from what I understand, there's not a lot of changes, but there's just the right amount of gore and there's just the right amount of of uh, language, coarser language. That the, the theatrical it. cut was PG thirteen, right? Yes, yeah. yes. And it does like so like I went back and I watched the 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 rated cut in the scenes that I thought were the things that were were there. And yeah, definitely different. Definitely different and definitely not the yeah. thing that you you think. It's a fun movie. Like I liked that more than I liked uh We Have a Ghost. 
it's if you guys have seen Annabelle and you know Blumhouse and you know how they like to like their particular brand of of horror um you'll like this like it, it was a little bit smarter than i thought it was going to be um there's a lot of talk about tra- traumatic events and trauma that i wasn't expecting it to go to um that like you know in a movie where like okay so like the movie opens with uh the little girl's parents dying I mean, this is not a spoiler. I think it's actually in the trailer. Yeah, but more or less, they allude to it in the trailer. So, but the interesting part about that is that they they drop the through line, but then they pick it back up again in a way that feels absolutely like they did this intentionally. So, like, there is a lot of there is a lot of things that happen in the movie that, like, the reasons why Megan the reason why she's given Megan and the reason why things happen in the way that they do is very smart. And I understand why so many people like the movie beyond the meme moments of like, you know, her dancing and then also her singing like, but those movie those moments are kind of weirdly pure camp, but they get away with it. Yeah. Like it's uh, like, and so it becomes this whole huge, interesting like concept about trauma um, it, like millennials accepting responsibilities that they don't want or they can't see. Um, Allison Williams, I feel like, is becoming slowly but surely the per- the the actress that you can go to that that you can that she can connect while being a very terrible person or what we perceive as a terrible person. Because all of the shit that happens with Megan. And her murder, her murder sprees, and all of this shit is because of Allison Williams and her. Like in any other hands, I feel like it would have been very, very, very. Um, hold on, one second. Um, uh, very, very. Like like it would be a turn it would be it it would be a turn off or like it, it would not be very it, like in other people's hands it would be she would be a horrible person but in Alice Williams hands with all this like you know the skill that she has um uh for all the skill that she has like does a like a great job of this with her performance yeah i i was interested when it made a shit ton of money um just to see like like what it was all about knowing that because like i i don't think i knew until they started talking about the unrated cut Mm -hmm. that the uh the theatrical cut was pg-13 and then i put that together and i was like oh that that's why it made so much money, you know, not that it wouldn't have made a ton of money rated R, but, you know, when you put a movie like that out rated PG-13, like it allows for more people to, you know, hit the box office. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And that's like, it's, it's slightly different. I mean, it's not a huge, it is not a huge, like, like it's not a big difference in the scenes, but um, I definitely would say go with the unrated cut because there is 
there is that pop of gore that come up that comes up that I feel like few films, uh, like few PG thirteen films could ever do. Um, there's one part that's really especially funny and nasty um, that I will not get into here uh, because it would ruin a it would ruin a moment that I feel is is kind of great. Um, it's not kind of great; it is great. So, but all to say. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I'm actually really looking forward to Megan Part 2 because I want to see where they go. I mean, essentially, it's a little doll version of Terminator without the time travel stuff. Yeah. So okay. take that and as you want. I, I mean, it made so much money. The 100% Part 2 is coming. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. No, no. They announced it. They announced yeah. it in 2020. The, the only problem is, is that people have to wait two years because it's something like October of 2025, which, oh. I mean, come on. Let's be honest. Like, like there's a moment in this movie like that's not shown anywhere that is super badass and i understand why they're doing it it's terminator meets chucky basically yeah um and i understand like if they're going to go a little bit bigger i can understand why they're waiting a couple of years uh, or why it's going to take a couple of years because of the development of the script and then also the the effects well i was going to say the effects work is probably the bigger part of it because like it is like this weird mix of like motion capture and live performance and yes like, where because i was gonna say like it, you might sit there scratching your head going like how the fuck are we getting a sequel to the last screen movie like slightly more than a year after we saw the last screen movie and it's gonna take them two years to make a sequel to megan and it's because like well there there's no like the the effects work in scream is minimal it, it, yeah, it, it's such yeah, a minimal, traditional minimal. style horror movie, <laughs> you know, that it, you know, it, your main antagonist is literally running around in a fucking uh, mask they can buy, you know, anywhere. <laughs> so, yeah, um, no, absolutely. So, so the, yeah, the only other thing I watched this week besides Mr. Mercedes, well, I mean, other mm-hmm. my usual shit, but. Uh, Party Down is back. Yes. Okay. So I was going to ask about, um, I was going to ask you offline about that, but, um, now's a perfect time. Uh, yeah, it's fucking weird, man. Oh man. That's what I was, that's what I was. It's not, it's not bad. It's just weird. Uh, it, it's, it still feels like the same show. It's missing a little something. Um, but like, it does still feel very much like that universe. Um, Mm -hmm. but it's very strange revisiting this in a way like it's sad, but it feels purposefully sad. Like, cause those characters were so kind of like sad anyway <laughs> you know yes they were they very much so were like it's it it's not a like i didn't like if you're returning to a show like okay so like here's my thing is that if you're returning to a show where like people were working dead-end jobs and they're still there fuck man that has to be a little that has yeah. to be a little um, it depressing it is <laughs> okay. like it, it's very um, I mean, not all of them are still there. Some of them have moved on, but like, uh, it, it it does just feel kind of like 
like going home and still seeing that like oh shit some some people are still at that same place that they were and not yeah. that they like moved up into like management or something like now they're literally still doing the same job that they were doing 15 years ago <laughs> um which I, I don't think it's been that long but um it's it's been a while since that show ended um yeah so yeah it, it does it has this like tinge of sadness to it that's purposeful but also it doesn't it just doesn't lend itself it, it's kind of funny when they're in their like late 20s it's not really funny when they're in their 40s <laughs> like, no 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 it or, really or late 30s you know yeah so it's just like yeah yeah struggling waiter wanting to become an actor yeah like that's kind of funny when you're 26 it's not really funny when you're 38 <laughs> No, it definitely is not. (laughs) There's a lot of really great guest stars in the first episode, though. Which that show was always really like that. That was one of the like key things about the show was like people would just show up for like two seconds. You're like, holy shit! (laughs) Like (laughs) this is J.K. (laughs) Simmons, man. Um, So uh, yeah, the three or four really, really good guest stars in the first episode. Um, I, I really can't imagine that it's going to like, I'm glad they're revisiting it and I'm glad they're doing it with like that light of like cynicism, but mm-hmm. I, I just like, okay, well this will run for this, this season. And I mean, that'll be that like it, it'll just end again because mm-hmm. Like, I don't think they can go anywhere with it, you know? Hmm. Okay. Uh, and okay. it's also I mean, still on stars. Who the fuck has stars? <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, I'm not yeah, I'm not a I'm not a stars fan. Um I'm not I don't even have it. Like, so yeah, no, 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 I completely understand. Um yeah, no, uh I'm I'm uh I, I mean I was a fan, but it was really kind of like one of those things where I feel like, like you said, like, I feel like I've changed. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like, um, like I've changed and party down has not. It feels like. Yeah. I mean, I, Um, I think the characters are still the characters and it's worth watching. Just, you know, don't expect like to for it to be like it it'll be the same show it always was it's just like you will you're different because you're older and you're just like oh this is just kind of sad now <laughs> yeah no 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 absolutely and it's like i like adam scott i like i can't think of the blonde dude's name i like um <laughs> he's so i'm like uh, rob he riggle's the, twin i can't think of the that guy focus of uh uh, the blonde guy he is the focus of the episode um so it, it uh i won't spoil it but like he's the crux of kind of everybody coming back together and ah. so yeah it's uh yeah he he gets 
I can only imagine it's hard to describe like what exactly because okay, so like like what I liked about Party Down so much was that it takes it takes concepts. It's like the Seinfeld thing. It takes a concept and it takes it to a ridiculous thing where if you try to describe it, it's super hard to kind of describe what ends up happening within that incident. Um and I like that kind of comedy. I like the, the the thing. So like if you're trying to figure out how to actually like say what ends up happening because of an issue or because of an incident, that makes me feel like Party Down is kind of at least tonally still the same, which is not a bad thing. Yeah. So the name of the first episode is Kyle Bradway is Nitromancer. And Kyle is uh, oh, the the blonde kid. <laughs> the blonde kid, yeah. No, no, no. Absolutely. Um uh something hansen ryan hansen uh yes who was so fucking good in uh uh veronica mars veronica Um, mars is like yeah he's so good in veronica mars he's such a (laughs) yes he's great like he's actually one of my favorites from from that uh from the from the series or from veronica mars yeah um it's a uh, it's Marino a fun episode. Yeah, Kim okay. Kim Marino like that that's kind of the the part of like being sad. It's just like like you always felt kind of bad for Kim Marino, but like also yes. like he was like he's the boss and like so and they're in their either early 20s or mid to late 20s most of them and you know they just they're much cooler than their boss and it's just like yeah, dude, like, whatever, we don't want to be here, like, we're aspiring to better things, and he was, like, so into the job, so it's weird, like, a decade later, to still see him being, like, so into that job, but, like, some of, some of them have moved on, some of them haven't, and it's just, like, I don't know, man, like, how are you, like, you want some, like, when they get back together, you want somebody mm-hmm. like at Adam Scott maybe to look at him and just be like, why the fuck are you still like, how are you still this excited about doing this job, man? How do you start? Like, <laughs> it hasn't sucked the soul out of you. Like, you know, like you had been doing it forever when I worked for you and here it is 10 years later and you're still fucking doing this. Um, I will say this, like the first episode, I, I don't, there's a time jump going into the second episode. So I think it's, uh, I I need to go back and rewatch it, but I feel like what they set up was like the first episode was pre pandemic and the time jump is like into the pandemic. So we're going to see, okay. Like it's dealing with the, like what the fuck happened? Like how to all, how did all of these people deal with the pandemic? Like, you know, it, it, it and it has some cancel cancel culture stuff in it too, which is you know kind of interesting. Um, my power just flickered. I hope it's not going oh. off. That's scary. Oh. Yeah, that is scary. So, uh, um, this would problem for me right now because I'm a fucking hurricane. In the yeah. Hurricane. <laughs> so um, anyway, yeah, okay. it, you know maybe. Uh, I mean, if you catch up to it, good. If you wait till. You know, you can catch it and just binge it all at once. That's probably fine too. But um, 
it, it it's kind of cool to see them all back together. It does make me want to go watch Severance on Apple Plus though, because um, Adam Scott is a really good actor. Okay, so just so that you know, when when you when you finish Severance, we've got to have a conversation about it. Like, right. because like, like I, 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 my wife is like, thank God my wife's not here. Cause she'd kill me if she knew that I watched all of severance. Um, uh, but I've been on this, like, I've been on this Ben Stiller doing TV, doing amazing TV away from his, his comedy stuff. Like, like on that bandwagon since his, um, since his prison movie. Like where uh, our prison TV show where Patricia Arquette won all the fucking awards because it's that good. So Severance is it's a change. It's not a change for him, but it's definitely a change for Adam Scott. Like if Adam Scott wants to get out of comedy, um, he's going to get out of comedy. But then he does party down and it's just like, okay, well, I guess you're not. I guess you're towing that line, which is okay. Um, I do have a question. It does it. Do they address um do they address uh Lizzie Kaplan's character? They do. Okay. Um, not it, it goes to uh like I was worried that cuz a lot was made of like her not coming back. But yeah. The way they address it doesn't make it feel like she was shitty about not coming back. Like Okay. Either they wrote it in a way because her schedule was too busy or something maybe so that uh-huh. she could possibly come back at some point or they like, she was just like, yeah, I don't really want to re I'm not down for this. And so, uh, or, or maybe they intentionally wrote it and, you know, she's going to come back, but because she's not in the first few episodes, it made it seem like she didn't want to come back. Like, I, I'm not sure which way the line is. You know, because with with, when you're dealing with uh, these guys, specifically Rob Thomas, like he's not opposed to like saying one thing that isn't necessarily true. Like, no, absolutely. You know, saying she she didn't want to come back when really we just wrote it because the way they write her quote out of the show Uh very much feels like uh, a setup. Okay. Okay. Um, because like, interestingly enough is the reason I, I feel like because this was filming at the same time that fatal attraction was filming, they like, you know, she's a part of that remake of it where she's playing the, the yeah. Glenn close role. I almost wonder if she got the Glenn close role and was just like, I can't do this. I mean, because like, there's a time where, I mean, I follow Lizzie Kaplan. So I know because I, I'm really, I'm a huge fan of Lizzie Kaplan. Um, oh, me too. Like, like her work she's in fucking Masters of fantastic. Sex, yeah. Like and her work, like her work in Masters of Sex is super brave and super honest and just pretty much amazing. Like, you know, I feel like too many people um gave um uh Michael Sheen all of the roses and not enough of Lizzie Kaplan because she was just so fucking good. But I also I also know that she just had a kid last year or the year before. So like, there's all this stuff that happens. I mean, you know, if you have a kid in 2021, 2022 is the the time where you're probably just being picky and choosy about your roles. And I guarantee you, you get a role, a starring role, like fatal attraction. Like, even if it's a remake, 
you don't like you literally don't pass that up right because the feeling is is that if you're remaking you're remaking uh fatal attraction and you're doing it because you want to do the ending that they they that they didn't do in the movie the original ending which that's like you know you fucking you go on board for that right because like you know that's the fucking role and then you know party down comes around and says do you want to and it's like i'm sorry i'm busy you know because yeah. i mean party down i mean party down kind of made her made her in the the kind of way that she that and mean girls kind of like made her in the way that we we knew her at that time period so it's important right and rob thomas like you said is a guy that Rob Thomas went back to the well multiple times with Veronica Mars and everybody was like, oh yeah, we're, we're down for this. Let's go back. Well, she, so so this, she's in Fleischman is in trouble too, isn't she? Is she? Oh, then that, that makes me, oh shit. Then I got to see that then. Uh, it's on like, my list. I, I've been trying to get to it, but also catch up on other things. And like, I've heard. Oh nothing. yeah, she totally is. So, I mean, that also jobs with like, her schedules was way too busy and what felt like a very rushed, like, Oh shit, let's get the band back together. Like, yeah. and just, just fuck, I can't like, <laughs> I'm filming all this other stuff. <laughs> you uh, know, I, it's so, all to say that I, I guess we're both, we're like, find something new about you every day. Logan, I guess we're big <laughs> Lizzie Kaplan fans. Cause we were like, I don't care about like what happens in the stuff. It's like, it's like, tell me about Lizzie uh, Kaplan. Tell me if, if, you dude, if you did not watch the second season of Castle Rock mm -hmm. and you like Lizzie Kaplan, you need to fucking watch that. Okay. It's on my, I'm, I'm actually going to go on to Hulu right you now. You don't even that. have to watch the first season. You, oh, you know, she's bad. playing, you know, she's playing Annie Wilkes, right? Yes. It, which was, um, I remember hearing something about it and going, oh, that's interesting casting. I, I've got to see this it's and never getting fucking, around to it. It's good man it's okay. really good like it it reframes that character uh -huh. and adds like to the trauma of like who she is you know because like whether you read the book or saw the movie I, I guess there's some behind the you know character stuff in the book that's not in the movie but, like, you just really get the sense that, oh, well, she's fucked up and mentally unstable. But, like, mm -hmm. what you see in Castle Rock reframes all of that and, like, it just informs it. And it's, like, it, I thought it was so fucking good and such a, like, solid performance in a show that fucking nobody watched. But, yeah, I, I, I love Lizzie Kaplan so much. That I watched Now You See Me 2 After watching Now You See Me 1 And <laughs> wanting to like Kick a hole in my TV Because that's probably The movie that's Pissed me off the most in my entire Fucking life um, God it sucks <laughs> How you can have that many Talented people in a movie Involved in a movie and create Something that's so Bafflingly stupid, but anyway. Um, but then we're getting a third one. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't <laughs> like, I, I, yeah, like, like the first one is okay. Like it's okay, right? But the second one, 
I mean, like, this is how crass that movie is, is that we need a villain that does magic. Let's get fucking Harry Potter. Yeah. What? You fucking idiots? What? <laughs> um, I, no, I no, no disrespect it. to Dan Radcliffe. Oh, I love, like, it, I love Dan. The, all the all the all the creatives involved with it, I don't dislike. Like the director, yeah. like even the script writers, like no nobody do I really dislike. But like it's a perfect shitstorm of like this is like the I was so mad the fir- at the first movie. But like I, we won't even get into that. But yeah, like Lizzie Kaplan, definitely go check out Castle Rock season two because you're a King fan and you like Lizzie Kaplan. I don't know how you missed that. Probably because if you didn't watch season one, you feel like you can't watch season two. But they don't yes. really have anything to do with each other. They, okay. I mean, they kind of do, but like you don't have to have watched season one to watch season two. I, I actually own season two on DVD. <laughs> oh shit! Okay, like that, that. Okay, like that. Above everything else, makes me okay. This will be this will be my lunchtime show because like I have like you know like when I take my lunch. Like yeah, I have an hour, so forty-two minutes is perfect time to get an it, episode in. And it'll make you go back and watch season one, which I, I don't know if you know, but uh, uh, the It Kid is actually in both seasons. Yes, uh, Bill Skarsgård yeah. is in. Yeah, is which he's going. He's showing up as the one of the main baddies in John Wick Chapter Four. I cannot. Oh, that's wait. yeah, that's cool. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, uh, party down. Yeah, it's out there. If you if you're a fan of the original, I'm I'm sure you'll like the new ones. But mm. also, like, you know, maybe wait till all I think it's eight episodes have aired, and then, it, you know, unless you're gonna watch it illegally, either buy it off iTunes or something, or sign up for like a two week preview of Stars, watch the eight episodes, and then cancel your preview because literally there's nothing else on that channel. <laughs> absolutely that's what i will be doing um because yeah i'm a big party down fan i really do like that show um i'll support anything that rob thomas does um because he's a good creative um but anything else that you got uh you 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 got for us no uh like i said mostly i just uh, spent my week binging uh mr mercedes (laughs) so 30 episodes which in in six days, <laughs> thirty hour long, and they are a fucking hour long. Every episode is an hour long. Oh, so I mean, some because of them are was... like fifty minutes, but like it was not made for commercial television. So mm-hmm. if you watch it on Peacock and you don't have premium, the commercial breaks are going to be real fucking weird. So <laughs> you got to be prepared for that because it was Thankfully... not made for commercial breaks. <laughs> Thankfully, I've, I've, I've got Peacock Premium, um, which is like, you know, like you told me before, like, can we just like, can we just give the flowers and the roses to it's, to, become, it's to, becoming the new HBO Max for me, man. Like, yeah, it's, uh, it's great, the, right? The, oh, oh uh, so this week's episode of uh, uh, I'm caught up, but I have not poker seen face. the newest Poker Face. Yes, I've not seen it yet. How is it? Oh my god, like you are going to be in heaven. Like, have you seen the trailer for it? Yes, yes, I did. And I'm like, oh shit, this I cannot wait for. I will say this no offense to Natasha Leone, 
directorial wise, I do think it's the weakest episode we've seen. She directed it. I don't think it's a bad episode. I just think it's mm-hmm. the weakest of the bunch that we've seen. But story-wise, oh. I think it's one of the strongest episodes. Like, it's such a, a, a good story. And it deals with something that you'll love. Uh, Nick Nolte plays a uh, an old-school stop-motion uh, special effects artist. Oh, get out of here. Oh yeah. man, okay. Like, yeah, like the like poker face is like one of those things that we use as a jumping off point for our night because it's just so good, right? I've caught up finally, you know. Um the, the NASCAR episode was kind of great. Um, <laughs> it felt like a Dukes of Hazard episode, man. It really did, didn't it? Like it was like I was like, what? And then you get Tim Blake Nelson. Oh, man, like the ultimate dude who I feel like if you're going to cast a guy who's like not even in net, uh, not even NASCAR, but like dirt track, uh, dirt track fourth, fourth rung, um, fourth rung, like like pre like not even NASCAR league. Um, you get Tim Blake Nelson because it's just like it, he's perfectly cast. I love Tim Blake Nelson. Um, it's just like the casting is so perfect the way that Columbo in its first couple of seasons like perfectly cast uh and it's just like I don't, I don't know man like some some of this stuff that 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 Ryan Johnson um is having his writers do and these directors do is just it's kind of like it's the right kind of it scratches the right kind of like um fan in me like the mystery of the week fans and they don't like you said Dukes of Hazard episode. It felt like a Dukes of Hazard episode. Yeah, this, um, this feels like a love letter to like uh, that old school kind of Hollywood special effects house, uh, Ray Harryhausen kind of thing, um, which I, I know you're, you'll love. Um, like yeah. I said, directorial, I think it's maybe the weakest episode, um, but story wise, it I think it's one of the the stronger episodes. It, it's the 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 mystery setup the every the way they frame everything is so good um and just i mean nick nolte man like they still fucking got it like still got it yeah no absolutely like his his um like i don't know why but like the older he gets the better he gets like between him and tom waits the gravelly like whiskey, yeah. whiskey voice i don't know which one um I will tell you, like going back, like you were telling the Lucky McKee episode with Judith Light. Holy uh-huh. shit, was that awesome! Yeah, I mean that. I, I was like, holy shit, Judith Light, man, who fucking knew? Like, just oh my god, like just standing ovation for like that performance, that episode, that like the way everything was played. It was. So damn good, man. That may be my favorite episode of the bunch so far. Um, um and and then like Ellen Barkin and Tim Meadows coming in like goats. <laughs> <laughs> I, I loved the twist in that one. Yeah, it it's such a uh a fun like that that's just like everybody was having fun, like playing with theater backgrounds and like how like if like my when we were kids, my mom 
was uh, a player at our local theater. She was always oh. like, in the background singing. So like we spent yeah. a lot of years of, like hanging out behind the scenes in the local theater. And like it doesn't matter if they're huge actors or just actors in local theater. Fucking theater actors. Like, even as good as they can be, holy shit, they are some of the most dramatic fucking people you will ever meet in your life, man. Like, it is... They really are. They're all, um, what's his name, screaming at the dude for stepping in his lighting (laughs) in fucking Terminator, you know? Like, it's just like, calm down, man. (laughs) Christian fans. Yeah. Like, oh, God, you're making noise, (laughs) like, while we're practicing. Like... Chill the fuck out, dude. <laughs> like uh, these people still have a job to do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's um, it really, it really does capture whatever. Like the funniest part about the show is, I don't think that people really like, like people haven't appreciated yet. But like you know, if we take a step back, what I love is that each of the episodes is about a very specific 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 uh piece of culture but they get it right if you know that culture like the rest in metal like if you know though like like all you need like rest in metal is very much so what older like you know one hit wonders go through and it's like you're telling this story but you're also telling a murder mystery um, which I completely appreciated, um, you know, Chloe Savine being that rock star that's just so wants to chase another hit, right? Um, yeah. And then what ends up ha- what ends up happening is brilliant in that in that episode. The way that the, that the the song is constructed is just like had me literally in tears. It was so funny. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's just like. I'm going to be sad when the next, like, you know, like the next two weeks, because those are the next two episodes and then we don't get anything until whenever, but man, talk about a great, like a great start to a show that I hope like, uh, like Ryan Johnson has said, he's like, I hope that this runs like, I, I hope that me and Natasha can do this for 10 years, just like the same way that he like hopes that he can do, um, he can do, uh, um, Benoit Blanc uh, movies for the next for the rest of his life just kind of come back to them with Daniel Craig and just kind of come up with some kind of brilliant ass shit um, yeah. I hope that that's the case because it's really good I, I agree I, I think it's smart of them to low key slow play fallout from that first episode like it, it like as she's moving across the country like it feels less and less like she feels more like she's getting away from it and but like meanwhile when it catches back up to her because we all know it will yeah like, it's gonna be like oh shit i forgot about this you know like you yep. know she's still got a fucking she's still got this dude on her tail like chasing her down for this this vegas mobster who's gonna fucking execute her you know um, yeah, it, it's, it's so good. So glad we're at least getting another season. It, it, I'm, I'm surprised they didn't pick it up for two more. It is the uh, highest rated thing on Peacock right now. It's like yes. the most watched thing on Peacock. So that's fucking phenomenal. So uh, good for them. Um, yes. And I, I guess by the time we talk next week, we will have seen the premiere of 
season the three Mandal- of the Mandalorian. So yeah. um, probably a lot of Star Wars talk next week. Um, yeah, because yeah. we we haven't had we haven't had that Bad Batch conversation that I really want to nope. have with you. Yeah, um, I, I just got caught up on the last few episodes of that too. So I have one um, episode. I have th- this last week's episode. So um, I uh, I'm looking forward to it. Do we know if it's just one episode or two episodes of of um, the Mandalorian? Uh, let's see. Um, it is just one. Um, mm. I wonder if it's going to be a a bigger sized episode. Uh, well, I saw a headline that says. Um, Mandalorian uh, season premiere uh, breaks a uh, runtime record for uh, Disney Star Wars, but it also said, "quote not in the way you think." So that worries me. I'm like, "Fuck!" We what, like, like twenty a, minutes. Oh, and yeah, shit? we get like a twenty-five <laughs> minute season premiere. I didn't read any further, so because okay. um, I, you know, that the fact that they list they. You know, posed it that way made me think like, oh shit, have they seen it? I don't want to fucking accidentally read any spoilers. So I was just like, well, I guess I'll just take whatever they give me. Hopefully, it's not a damn twenty-five minute season premiere, because um, holy shit, that will be disappointing, man. <laughs> yes, I will. I will be very upset if that's the case. Um, which they've never had that. Like, and, and also, you know what? Like, clickbait. If you send me the article, I'll, I'll tell you what it says. Because I yeah, don't I'll, care about spo- I'll spoilers. I'll see if I can find it and I'll forward okay. it to you. So, yeah, no worries. Um, but I, I'm excited. I'm yeah, I think the shortest anyway. episode has been like 35, 37 minutes, something like that. Um, so, okay. so, yeah, I, you know, hopefully it's more in the... I would hope that it would be like an hour and change, but again, the way they worded it, I was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> so. uh, no, I mean, I I understand that because, like, you know, clickbait. We got to worry about this this stuff. But I, like I said, I almost wonder if it's if it's just like you said, a bit of clickbait, and we're like, you know, we're get we're in store for like a eighty minute one. Um, oh yeah, that would be insane. Yeah, but I mean, you know, between like like here's the thing, and I know that we're talking, we're we're going way over, we're we're hitting another three Again. hour mark, guys. <laughs> Again, um, but like as much as happened between the book of Boba Fett and and um, Mando season two, I feel like there might need to be a little bit of a longer episode to kind of set the table, reset the table for this because. Mando is very different than like Mando and it's it, it, it's storytelling is very different than the book of Boba Fett. Right. But he's in it and it becomes a sideways sequel because of all the stuff that happens. Like it's like you have to like like you have to have watched the book of Boba Fett from episode. I think it's four to episode like, you know, for the rest of the season. No, no. It's episode six to ten. You have to watch in order to kind of understand where grogu and and um mando are because it becomes this whole thing of like oh we're gonna do you know mando season 2.5 but if you don't know if you didn't know that you need some kind of context right to recontextualize yeah, uh, yeah i'm yeah. i'm real curious because so many people bailed on book of boba fett before they, really they got to those episodes and you know 
they're gonna have to catch him up in some way. I mean, I may they could be hoping like a previously on does that well enough, but like it's literally that that whole back half feels like set up for what we're gonna get in this season. So yeah, I I don't know. Like I, I don't know. Do they move forward with it in the kind of the more Marvel way, where it's just like, well, if you didn't watch. You know, I don't know what to tell you. Go back and watch. It's on the streaming site. <laughs> so yep. we'll see. I, I'm definitely excited. A little nervous, but excited. So, yeah, I'm sure next week will be a shit ton of Star Wars talk. So, yeah. Um, but uh, until then, xwingfiles.com. That's everything else we're doing, including Pod Lasso, which is uh, going strong. Um you know, and we got season three coming soon, uh, sooner than I even thought it would be. So, yeah. uh, so are you guys good? So I have a question, just a side question. Are you going to stop your rewatch nope. and do them? Okay. Okay. Just, just curious. Yeah. I, we talked about it and we decided that, uh, cause she podcasts about other shows too. So oh, okay. like she's gearing up for, uh, like Lois, uh, Superman and Lois comes back in a few weeks. And like, oh, I, okay. I was like, so, I, so basically I just said, so here's the thing. We're not going to be through season two by the time season three starts. We're doing a, basically a rewatch podcast. There is absolutely no reason we can't. Like maybe if we take five minutes here or there at the end of an episode to be like, so like some of this informed what happened in this week's episode on Ted Lasso. If we're both caught up <laughs> on it, then this that's fine. But we're not going to spend you know an hour talking about you know, uh, like we're not going to pause to jump in the middle because a lot of what we're doing is like uh, just revisiting it and seeing like. Oh, how do we get from point A to point B? Like, it's such a well-written show. Like, everything is an allusion to what comes next. Like, you know, it, it shouldn't be a shock. I mean, spoilers for Ted Lasso. When you find out what the fuck is going on with Ted, basically, in season two, and find out, like, what all that, the panic attacks and everything, when you find out what all that's about, while it is surprising... It's not like, oh, this came out of nowhere because they yes. literally started in episode one and built that up. And that's part of what we talk about is like the development, you know, of all of that. So I was like, nope, there is absolutely no reason. You know, it's not like we're getting 8000 downloads a week of people, you know, interested in us talking about what's going on with Ted Lasso right now. Like, mm -hmm. it's a show we're literally just doing for us. So there's no reason for us to, like, jump to that. We'll get to season three eventually. Why not just do it in our own time? So Absolutely. And you're going to have to find, try to find the Jenny's Ice Cream version of Ted Lasso. Because yeah, they have a Ted Lasso. Have you I, seen I, that? I saw it, and I was like, I went to Publix here. They didn't have it. Um, so I, I don't know. I might have to like go on a, like a, a quest uh, to like the closest Kroger is about an hour and a half away. So, oh, 
<laughs> okay. No, we that we got Publix adventure. and like Piggly Wiggly and Winn Dixie here. So it's it's Southern grocery stores and Publix, which is technically Southern because it comes out of Jacksonville, but Jacksonville's not really the South. So. <laughs> okay. All right. I, I might just have to find out if if they if, if they they, uh, yeah, they can get mail it, it out to you. <laughs> Yeah, and just fucking and just ship it to you. Ship you ship you like ten ten uh ten uh cups of it where it tastes like shit and then you're like, I'm stuck with this fucking thing. I hate Adam. I hate you. <laughs> but um, I am definitely curious and Jenny's is actually a fairly good ice cream. Like it is yeah, fairly it's fairly I, tasty. I it that like our Publix carries Jenny's. They just don't have that flavor. So I can probably I could probably get with the manager and be like, hey, can you order this? Like I know <laughs> I might be the only person in this town that watches Ted Lasso, but <laughs> <laughs> no, if if you're talking Columbus, that's not true because I know that I know at least two people that watch Ted Lasso. Yeah, <laughs> there. So there's at least three of y'all that 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 uh, in Columbus that are that are that are watching Ted Lasso. Um, but uh, I should that, message well, him and be like, "Hey, man, you want to have a watch party?" <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. That because would be great. Because he's got that big oh. uh, theater in his. Uh, yes, he does. Yeah, he has that massive. That he has that massive theater, which I'm just like, wow. Okay, all right. Um, but yeah, and uh, we will be back next week. I'm gonna actually. Um, it's interesting because, like, you know, we're talking Apple TV stuff. Um, I'm actually going to. They just dropped something that was totally my bag, which is uh, Eugene Tra- uh, Eugene Levy in The Reluctant Traveler. I'm going to watch the shit out of that. Yes, it does. It looks like comfort. I'm going to go to sleep for 30 minutes and watch Le- Eugene Levy. Because we wa- we're huge Shit Creeks fans here um, in the Couser household. Uh, my wife like will quote it daily. Um, uh, like, you know, she, she, my nickname, I don't have a nickname, but my nickname is John. Because you know, absolutely not, John. <laughs> like that's literally what she tells me all the time. Uh, so, I mean, and then of course, like you know, if you're an '80s kid, you love Eugene Levy. So, like oh, yeah. this travel show, where he does exactly what I would be doing the entire fucking time I travel, because I'm, you know, I'm very happy where I am. I love my life. I love my house. I love not recently because it cost me a lot of money, but I love my dogs. So why would I want to travel anywhere? So I'd be probably like Eugene Levy. So there's going to be a lot of like knowing laughter and we'll have to have a convo about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I plan because on watching it all out. Soon. It's all out. It's not even like they, they, they dropped all, yeah. uh, all 10 episodes, yeah, which I'm super that. excited about. Um, yeah. As soon as I saw the trailer, I was like, I'm in the bag for this. The only way that it could get better is if he has like guest stars, like Michael McKeon or other yeah. like eighties, <laughs> Uh, 80s actors show up uh, Steve Martin, Martin Short Somebody like, you know, that would be the only way That this is going to get better for me So, but I'll be watching that and I'll report back Next week and uh, you can read My my work And the work of my uh, Of the different writers that I have on uh, On uh, themovieisle.com um, And actually Marie just Posted, uh, Marie has a Saturday post Um she just we just posted something she just posted something about the sister brothers um a long not a long forgotten but a forgotten very very well made um drama western comedy starring Joaquin Phoenix, John C. Riley and Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, yeah, I, I want to watch it. I it was one of those that I was like when it came out I was like 
I want to see that movie. It looks great. And I never got around to it. So I saw that post and and I was like, okay, I need to finally catch up with that. (laughs) So she's got this wonderful review that just reminded me that I need to revisit uh, this very special Western. Um, So there's that. And then, of course, I'm posting all the time. Um, I've got some great reviews coming up. Um, this week is going to be a martial arts week because I've got at least two Michelle Yeoh, uh, previous Michelle Yeoh films that are going to be dropping. I've got a Jackie Chan film uh, that I'm reviewing, um, and I've got a Sammo Hung directed wild, wild, big action comedy that was made in the 80s Start with Cynthia Rockroth's first screen appearance. So, oh, wow. Yeah. And I mean, she goes up against Samo and you watch this and it's a little sped up because, you know, like, you know, all 80s uh, martial yeah. arts films in Hong Kong were sped up just like literally, I think it's like, like half a frame a second faster, right? Like it's 25 or 26 seconds. But watching this scene as they go heads up in prime Samo and prime Cynthia Rock Rock, Rock Rock. Man, it's some wild ass shit. So you have to read the site. You have to w- read my reviews when they when they drop this week. I felt it was perfect timing because the Oscars are coming up, and Michelle Yeoh hopefully will win that best uh, best actress Oscar. And you know, Kate Blanchett can be satisfied with her couple of supporting actress nominate like wins because you know Tar's okay, but you know uh, Michelle Yeoh does a career uh, a, a career best performance yeah so, i agree with that with that guys we will back we will be back next week um you know like logan said talking mando probably talking some eugene levy so like basically it's gonna be like we always do some wild ass random shit that gets us to three hours <laughs> which i'm okay with <laughs> uh yeah um yeah that, it, it keeps you busy <laughs> so. it does Plenty, plenty to listen to all week. You break it up into 30 minute segments. That's a whole week of a podcast. So, uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll be back soon. Number eight, the Simpsons. Number nine, TV. Number ten, every single band that I stole all their MP3s. But they're really all sold out. Stay all together if you with me now.